in five, four, three, two, one. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute. I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. <laughs> Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. Alright. Alright. Alright, alright, alright. Welcome in everybody. This is Friday, January 12th. This is the Mike Rutherford Show. We're coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in rainy and dreary and cold Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, if you're looking for an NBA in the new year and you want to get it in just 12 months and you want to feel like you're being paid to do so in the process, there's only one place to look for something like that. It's the UofL College of Business to find out how all that is possible and much more. Visit business.louisville.edu today. We're on the air from 3.05 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, Streaming all over the Western Hemisphere and beyond. You know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with the man himself. He's back in the saddle, Rashawn Myers. You know him every morning, uh, every Saturday morning on Wake Up 502 right here on this very station. Back to talk some Cardinal sports here on this Friday and some other stuff as well. Rashawn, how are you, man? Thanks so much for uh, for tapping in with us here. Mike, what's going on with you, my man? I was absolutely excited. Dugan hit me up yesterday and was like, uh, Rashawn, if you can, you know, can, can you come in? Can you do the dynamic duo tag team with Mike? And I had to make sure I could clear my schedule to make it happen so i am absolutely elated and excited i don't know if you saw the post i did but i had to put a little bit of eminem and dr dre on there i saw it know. i shared it on my instagram story <laughs> after i saw it coming in I was, I was a big fan i enjoyed it i assume i'm dr dre in this uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly exactly uh, this is also gonna be fun we always have a good time when we're on together but i feel like every time we've had the show it's been like you know Hey, basketball sucks. Let's talk about that for three hours. And while that still, I think, is the case and probably the viewpoint of both of us, we actually had some exciting basketball news on on Wednesday night. I'm curious to get your reaction. We talked about it pretty much consistently for like two and a half hours on yesterday's show. Sort of the the, the complex emotions we're all dealing with when this U of L team in this situation goes on the road and beats a pretty good Miami team kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that. We've got some really good football news to talk about. We've got some national football news to get into. Looks like Alabama has found its man. Uh, the the ripple effect throughout the college football world will be felt after that news becomes official, which you know could be while we're on the air. We've got some other stuff to talk about, getting ready for the weekend. NFL playoffs are on the horizon. It's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, how have you been, man? I haven't. Uh, we, we haven't. Uh, it's been like what? I guess a month since yeah. the last time we did this. Yeah, just about. It's it's been crazy. And I tell you what, before I, I I tell you a little bit about what's been going on, I do have to give a shout out. Even with all this weather and everything going on, I have got to give a shout out. But just before I came here, Mike, fighting through the rain. Everybody out there, be careful. 
Mm-hmm. The highways are flooded. I've heard the Snyder's flooded. I know 264 is flooded as well. So y'all be careful out there. But I had to give a shout out to Cernetta Enterprises. Cernetta Enterprises is basically an auto shop here in town. Um, and I had to put my focus in. Now, I'm a big tog. I'm about 6'4". Okay, but I love my little cars and, and my little focus was having some problems. And uh, the auto shops here in town, man, stay super busy. But those guys were able to get me in. I put the little focus in on uh, Monday and they already got me together, got me all fixed. Great price. And I told the guy there I was going to give them a shout out nice. because they got me done quick. So uh, definitely, I know he's listening. He said, I asked him if he listened to Mike Rutherford's show. And you know what he told me? He said, that's literally the only sports show I hey. listen to. He, he keeps it real. There we go. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to have to hit them up the next time we have an issue because I talked about it on the radio. Last year we had the, I guess it was like two summers ago now, we had the accident. We were back in Mary's hometown for uh, a wedding. Yes. And someone just ran a stop sign, T-Bone does. And, you know, the insurance obviously took care of it. We had a rental. But, but like, it was impossible to yes. find a body shop that was, like, they were booked up months and months yes. and months in advance. Yes. Especially one that worked with your insurance. So, like, that was a, a hassle. So, if you can find a good one in this day I'm, and age, I'm you telling stick you. with it. I, I, absolutely. And it, and it was good and cheap. So, that's, that's C-R-N-E-T-A. Uh, just to let y'all know, Cernetta Enterprises. So, look them up. Look them up. That They did a great job. But, no, just for me, man, you know, I've been so used, Mike, to, to feeling like I knew where this basketball season was going that I started to find some new hobbies. I've been following my son, you know, Holy Cross basketball. Went down to Miami. I followed him down to Miami to watch them play in a holiday tournament. I've been catching up on my ancient aliens on History Channel. You know, I started thinking maybe Kenny Payne got abducted by aliens. So this isn't the real Kenny Payne. It's like an alien trying to act like Kenny, which is why he's so awkward in press conferences, you know, stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they come around. I wasn't even watching the game. I was listening to uh, Paul Rogers and getting some other stuff stuff done and lo and behold they want to come around and actually play like they have some sense so now of course uh, Rashawn Mike Rutherford have to get it together to talk <laughs> about it because the whole world's turned upside down right now Mike. I do love the people who are like you know because you've been like myself maybe you more on social media than I have <laughs> very outspoken about your feelings with Kenny Payne and there are people who are like who hate you for it you know who are who are like not oh, hate, absolutely no the, the first the opinion foot, no you it. can say it the first football <laughs> game of the year they called me the the most hated man in Louisville media so it is fitting you know that some people are like oh I, you know Maybe I listen to him on Saturday morning, but would love to hear him on with Mike. And of course, you have to come on after we've won a game. And they're like, "Oh, I can't wait to you know, they're rubbing their fingers. Like, he's gonna have to. He's gonna have to say some nice stuff." Which you know, yesterday we did say some nice stuff. Um, we'll get into the the, the the football news in just a second, but I do want. It's logical that we start here because you know you have been, um, you know, like myself, kind of outspoken about the fact that we're not happy about the direction of the basketball yes. program. We kind of see the writing on the wall here. And my general stance yesterday was that has not changed for me. Yes. I, I still think that I mean we're six and nine, we're one and three. You know, we we jumped a dramatic twenty seven spots in the net rankings all the way up to two thirty six. That's still ridiculous for a program the stature of Louisville's. But I wasn't going to just crap on the win. You, you yes. know, I I was happy on, on Wednesday night when they won the game. I'm always cheering for the team. I'm happy for the players. They deserved a moment like that. They deserved the locker room celebration. They deserved some of the love they were getting uh, around the city. And I think when you saw the reaction from most Louisville fans on Wednesday night, you saw that this really is just about wins and losses. Nobody has a, a secret vendetta against Kenny Payne. No one has a secret vendetta against Nolan Smith. They just want to to win. And you saw most Louisville fans who were like, great, this is awesome. Congrats. Like, I I still want the guy gone, but for right now, this is good. 
And, and, you know, there were some Louisville fans who were like, this is a nightmare. Like, you don't want this team to start winning. (laughs) And and I said yesterday, even though in my mind the worst-case scenario is that Kenny Payne wins just enough to make it awkward. Like, we go 14-17 and this year, which is still a terrible record. But people are like, look at how he – improved throughout the season he did it with all the injuries and you know this that winds up getting him a third year where we're bad again and then it's like okay we just wasted a year doing this even though I recognize that as the worst case scenario to me I couldn't help but like feel good after they won the game that's I think it's just it's so ingrained in my DNA Uh, I'm like I I can't see a good cardinal victory and just be like I hate it (laughs) that's how I am how are you when it comes to your reaction to what we saw Wednesday night. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, I went back and checked out a lot of the game. I got to watch, you know, the Lions share the second half. Once Louisville was playing well uh, up to halftime, I did watch the Lions share the second half. And to me, it's it's a couple of things. Uh, And they mentioned it even during the broadcast that Jeremy Lanega going into that game said he didn't feel like the guys were practicing well and didn't feel like they were playing at a level in which he was comfortable heading into the game. Because you got to remember, Louisville played, played Miami very well last year the second also. time yeah um you know against uh you know with a much better team and Isaiah Wong I mean this this Miami team is not who they were last year they are struggling without Isaiah Wong who of course was ACC player of the year so you know when you lose a dude like that it's gonna hurt you but I mean it was kind of twofold definitely Louisville played better but you know Miami seemed like a team that did not come into that game taking Louisville seriously and by the time they realized they were into a fight they weren't ready for it. You know, I have no idea why they continue to allow Brendan Huntley Hatfield to go one-on-one in the post over and over and over again, even though he continued to score. I don't know why they didn't change up the coverage on, uh, you know, defending Mike James. But you know what? Sometimes, I mean, it's, it's a lot like, I take this game a lot like the Western Kentucky game last year, a lot like the Clemson game last year. It's a very good single game in which things come together. This is basketball. Nobody plays bad every game. Nobody plays great every game. Mm-hmm. So you can always have that type of situation where these two things go together. But I'm definitely not ready to make any pronouncements that this means anything outside of they just played a good game and they got a win. They got a great win. The first road win in a long time, so I will take it. Yeah, I mean, yesterday I was trying my best to just not poo-poo on the win, right? Because it was it was a celebratory occasion. We've Absolutely. Had, we've had so few of these. Why not at least take a day and be like, hey, this was good, this was fun, and for now that's enough. There are big picture things to talk about. But, you know, it is worth mentioning. One, I, I, it did seem like Miami came out and was, like, playing with its food for most of the night and then, then tried to pick it up late, and by that time it was it was too late. Two, their three best players are all dealing with injuries. Like yes. that, That's something. Norshad O'Meara's been banged up. You saw that he wasn't as active. This was Nigel Pack. Uh, you know, he, he had, he's been dealing with an ankle injury. He re-injured it in the middle of the game. Yes. And I think that affected him. And this was Wuga Poplar's first game back after, after missing two weeks with a, I think, an ankle injury as well. And, and he played well. Like It wasn't like the injury was affecting him, but those three guys are the best players, and they're all a little bit banged up. And, and then I think the third thing is what you said. And I, that's kind of where I stand. And maybe we're wrong. Maybe this is going to be the catalyst to something great and Louisville's going to go, you know, 10 and 6 to end the season in the ACC and we're all going to look dumb. But I think it's more of a law of averages thing. Right. Where Miami came into the night averaging like, like 15 threes per game and shooting 42% from three as a team. I don't know if that's a sustainable average for the entire season. It was best in the country. And we. You know, I, I thought we played hard. I thought we played better at times defensively. We still gave up a ton of wide open threes, and they just missed yes. them. Like, yep. like they, and like you said with the Western Kentucky game last year, 
we shot like 60% in that game. That was not reflective of who we were going to be for the rest of the season. You know, we shot pretty well in this game. We didn't shoot it quite as well as we shot in the loss against Pittsburgh, which is is funny. But we forced them into more turnovers than we made. We had one more assist than than they had. Like that never even when we win games, typically we lose the assisted turnover battle. I, I think it was just like Miami played bad and we played good. And and that's gonna happen. We're probably gonna have a few more of those nights before the season ends. It's why when, you know, TJ, not to call TJ out again for the second day, you know, texted into the show on, on Wednesday and was like, Why does Mike think they're gonna win any more games? They're playing as bad as they ever have, <laughs> you know, that this the schedule is gonna be tough. And I was like, just because they haven't quit playing hard for the yes. most part. Like they, they still play, and like you said, it's basketball. There's going to be a couple of nights between now and the end of the season where they play above their heads, and whoever they're playing against just plays poorly because that's the way that works. We're seeing it every night in college basketball now. There's an upset every single night because the talent gap between a lot of these teams just isn't what it used to be between the haves and the have-nots. There, there are players everywhere, and when you've got guys that can shoot it everywhere, you're going to have nights where they play out of their mind and where their opponents just don't. And I think that's kind of what happened there having said that if they come out on Saturday against a, a another like good not great NC State team and they look the same like they they play well that they're sharing the ball they look like they're engaged they look, they look, they look like they're a little bit more confident after the Miami game and even if they don't win but it, it's like a it's a two-point loss and they're right there like I'll be like okay maybe there's something more here than I thought initially but if they go out there and it's NC State winning from start to finish, and and you know it's it's kind of like the pit game. They lose by 12, 13 points. Then I think we can all go back to being like, yeah, that the, they are who they are. That was a one-off performance. It's going to look weird at the end of the season. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the way you have to take it. I mean, it's it's basketball. You know, there's always going to be those opportunities to win games. Nobody's going to just lose every game. And then you talk about the fact that, you know, there's talent everywhere. Louisville's one of the more talented teams in the country. That's the one thing that I've continued to say. They were, you know, one of the more talented teams in the country last year. They were again this year. There's talent on the roster. You have big, long, athletic guys on the team. You know, these guys can score. There's a lot of, uh, you know, athleticism and athletic size out there. So, I I mean, the, the fact that Louisville's not been winning it hasn't been because, you know, they're out there playing with a bunch of undersized, non-athletic, you know, type guys out there. So, I mean, when those guys are playing well and, and these other teams aren't necessarily playing up to their best, uh, you know, uh, you know the, the best that they can you would think that the team's going to improve and I think offensively Louisville's gotten better over the last couple of weeks so now they have a chance even though the, the defense is still you know leaves a lot to be desired they can catch you if you're not ready I, that's kind of where I am too I, I think you also run into a, a, a situation when you're so shorthanded and sometimes you kind of fall into something good because you can't substitute a guy out like right, we're gonna get Trey White back at some point in the relatively near future. We we're gonna get Manny Akorafor back, which is less of a a big deal, I think, uh, in the relatively near future. But because Trey White's been absent, because you couldn't play him on on Wednesday night against Miami, it kind of forced you to play Curtis Williams more. And he's he's a guy who, like all good shooters, should is not gonna stop if he if he misses a few. Like he sees the. He sees the basket as being five times as big as it actually is every time he lets it go, which is the the shooter's mentality. And I think if you hadn't had him, if you hadn't, had, if you hadn't been forced to play him more than you wanted to, maybe in that game, you probably yank him. And he's after he starts off one for five, and you're not playing him deep in the second half, and you're getting Trey White more minutes and all this stuff. And as a result of having to keep him in the game, like he hit a couple of really really big shots when Louisville was making its big move in the second half. And I think that you know maybe having a short bench and having less options for Kenny to go to 
when things are going bad could wind up being a good thing for this team. I don't know. It sounds like Trey White's close to coming back. They said he was a game-time decision on Wednesday. We'll see how he, he goes on Saturday. But even with Trey White back, you know, if we can get this thing down to like playing just eight or nine guys, I think maybe that's a good thing for Kenny Payne. Less options to think about. Less, you know, just just keep it simple. Like, like play the same eight guys. Play them big-time minutes. Let them get to in, in, into a game. And if they start feeling it, then maybe we can get something going. Because like you said, it's not like this team is just totally lacking talent. Like they, they are like, like the star ratings are the star ratings for a reason. It's not like we just whiffed on all of these guys and everybody else has four and five star kids that are are, are good players and we just got the only bad ones. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's yeah. it's not the way it works. Hey, don't sugarcoat it, Mike. You know the reason why. It's Hersey Miller starting. That's why <laughs> Louisville won. That was the tweak. Things change now. I did love that I said like at the end because he always comes in at the end of games and plays hard and he always makes a three. And so at the end of the the pit game, I was like, he he deserves to play some meaningful minutes. Just thinking like, you know, if if Tyler's turning it over a ton and you know, you, you want somebody else to play point and keep Sky off the ball, like why not give some of those minutes to Hersey? And I'm thinking, you know, just like you know. Not big, like seven to ten minutes, just to you know, let him come in there, not turn the ball over, maybe make a shot and play tough defense. And then he starts the next game like, okay, well, this is an overcorrect. This this wasn't what I was advocating for. I didn't want this much, but you know, he didn't do much. But I'd be shocked if he doesn't start again the next game. If you're Kenny Payne, like you just won the most impressive victory in your year and a half on the job. I think you've got to keep keep going with what got you. Oh yeah, I'm absolutely not making any changes. You know, Trey White, you're coming off the bench. Everything is exactly the same. Everybody's sitting in the same chair. I don't care if you wear the same (laughs) underwear, jockstrap, whatever. And nobody does anything. No one shaves. Just leave it right there. So prediction wise, though, if you had, like I said, I think that the way the team plays tomorrow, noon against NC State will go a long way towards determining whether or not this was just kind of a, a fluky deal. Do you think that anything is going to change big picture-wise? We've got two months left of the season. Do you think that this is the, a sign of things to come, that there's going to be this continued improvement, or is this when we look back and just like, hey, remember when we beat Miami? That was weird. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I mean, I, I, I think that, okay, I'll say this. The ACC is horrible. It's not good. Okay? The ACC sucks. So could Louisville, and I know this is going to make a lot of people very uneasy, but I can see Louisville winning a few games. Okay, now, I would hope that, you know, I don't think Kenny is is right for the job. Okay, I, I look at Kenny. When I talk about Scott Satterfield, and I said I didn't think Scott Satterfield was going to get it done because I didn't think he'd be able to win at the level that we wanted. I look at Kenny that even if Kenny gets the the to back to where Louisville can, I don't know, play 500 basketball, he's still not the – right guy from for this job long term so the thing you hope as you said was that it doesn't they don't get enough wins to make it awkward and <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen but I definitely think that the, the ACC is bad enough that I can definitely see Louisville winning just about any any of these games on a good you know good night for them bad night for the other team outside of you know your Virginias because we never beat them and Duke and North Carolina those teams at the very top but outside of that I mean I'm just not impressed with the with the conference, like I, I look at NC State coming up this weekend, and they don't really yeah. scare me. Like, like who's supposed to like really make you like? I guess this kid Horn is supposed to be pretty good, and you know, uh, d- d- you know, Triple XL, uh, big boy, Burns, big boy DJ Burns. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, am I supposed to be afraid? I'm a Louisville fan. I don't get afraid of these terrible teams. So I just, I don't know what to think. I have no. I, I don't think they'll win enough, but I definitely could see them winning games because they do have talent. Here's what I think is going to happen, and just 
just think, take it for what it's worth because I did not think they were going to beat Miami on Wednesday. But the rest of this month is still, it's a brutal schedule. You're playing the best teams in the conference. Yes. Like, I don't know how tomorrow's going to go because, like, like you, I don't think that NC State's that good. I don't think they're a tournament team. And I love Kevin Keats. I would love to see him make the NCAA tournament and probably save his job. I don't think it's going to happen. So I don't know how that's going to go. But after that, Carolina away, you ain't winning. Wake Forest away, you're probably not winning. Home against Duke, you're not winning. Home against Virginia, I don't care how much they suck on the road, you're probably not winning that either. <laughs> and then away against Clemson, who I think is, is, to me is the third best team in the conference, you're not winning that either. It's also a place where we've never won. We, Clemson and Virginia the only two programs we haven't beaten on the road. So I think the rest of this month is going to go bad. I think we're going to fall back into the the mindset of, this guy sucks. Can you believe this record? Like, just we're, a lot of whole coaching search radio shows coming up, like where people are like, "Hey, what do you think about this guy?" And then in February, like the teams we play aren't good. Like, I can definitely see us stringing together like four out of five wins or three out of five wins or something crazy where people yeah. are like, you know, they beat Syracuse, they beat Georgia <laughs> Tech, they beat Boston College, and the conversation kind of. Like just become it becomes a February thing where we're getting late in the season and it's like, hey, you know, he's showing improvement. They could they they could get to 13, 14 wins and, and it gets a little bit awkward again. And then you end the season with three home games: Syracuse, who I don't think is very good, Virginia Tech, who we made look way better than they are when we played them in Blacksburg, and then Boston College, who sucks. Like we could win at least two of those three to get to like six and fourteen or seven and thirteen or something along those lines. And there will be an argument. I won't buy it, but there will be an argument from a segment of the fan base. That he has shown enough, there have been enough steps forward. There's been some improvement shown, and look what he did shorthanded. That if he goes out there and maybe wins a game in the conference tournament, people will be lobbying for a year three. Yes, I will not buy it. <laughs> but I've I, like again, like you and I, we don't make the decisions. I can see it happen. I don't know what Josh Hurd is thinking. I don't know what the people above Josh Hurd are thinking, and it does kind of scare me a little bit that we could find <laughs> ourselves in that situation because, like you said, the goal for whoever the head coach is of the University of Louisville men's basketball program, is not to be good enough at some point in time where you can sniff the NCAA tournament or just make the NCAA tournament as like an 8 or a 9 seed and maybe win a game. The goal is, and how we should all be looking at this situation, is do you think this guy can win you a national championship at some point in time? And so far, if your answer to that question right now is yes, I would love to see what you're seeing because I don't, but... At some point in time, if you do keep Kenny Payne for a third year or a fourth year or however long this goes, the conversation has to shift from like he's showing improvement from the own low bar that he set by going four and twenty-eight in his first season to is he ever going to get us back into a position where we are a perennial top ten team where we are viewed as a Final Four contender? And the issue that I would have, like, even if we went on a gigantic run to end the season, we and we had a winning record. Let's say that that happens. The 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 most improbable of scenarios, is why should I believe that it's going to get even better next year? We're not recruiting anybody. And he's yeah. saying now that we're going to go out and get players in the transfer portal. He's never done that. Like I've got no faith in his ability to do the things off the court that we all thought he was going to do to put us in a position of power where two or three years down the line, we're back to competing for national titles. And that's kind of where I am right now. Well said. I mean, that, that, that's exactly where I'm at. I just I don't I don't want a coach that you give head pets to. And, and to me, Kenny Payne's whole career right now, at best, has been head pets. And, and you know, where it's like, oh, well, look at him. He's doing a little bit better. I can see how he's improving. I can, you know, like that's that's for the little kids that walk into Evangel over there across the street. You give head pets to little kids. You don't give head pets <laughs> to the coach of Louisville basketball. 
You know, they just put out their top 25, the number six all-time, you know, college basketball team. Like, that, you don't get have a head pack coach. I don't right. want a head cap pack coach. I'm sorry. He's a nice dude. He smiles. Uh, you know, very nice gentleman every time I've met him. But I'm sorry. I just don't want a head pack coach. I, I don't want it. we got breaking news here. It's now, I, I guess, officially or unofficially official, but everyone's reporting it as being official. Kalen DeBoer is leaving Washington to take the head coaching position at Alabama. He has reportedly just informed his players. So there you go. The domino effect will start then. Who gets wow. the Washington job? Who, you know, whoever leaves for the Washington job, who gets their job? Uh, I think that Alabama, I know Trevor's been big on the Kalen DeBoer bandwagon for a long time. I, I think Bama probably gets a guy that's going to continue having sustained success. It's a different system, you know. He was known for boomer bust offense and you know kind of not much defense, but he's going to have to change that up. Maybe he will with a, a new arsenal to work with, but Kalen DeBoer inheriting quite the position in Alabama now. The standard is Nick Saban, who's probably the greatest college football coach of all time. Those are, uh, I mean, not, not just big <laughs> shoes to fill. Those are the biggest shoes to fill. Yeah, I, I would never want to take that job. I, I can understand why the coaches that you know got offered and turned it down, turned it down. You know, but DeBoer, he had caught lightning about because he's never had any other quarterback besides Michael Penix, correct? That's been the co- quarterback the whole time he's been there? Yeah, he brought him with it because he was his uh, OC at Indiana. Yes. Um, you know, you got to prove you can win without Penix because I thought, I thought Penix was special at Indiana because no one wins at Indiana and Penix made Indiana have to be, you know, worried about. <laughs> so you got to win. You got to prove you can win without Penix. But for Alabama, I think that's about the best you can do for a guy who has a coaching record. He's been awesome everywhere he's been. So, you know, that's all you can ask for. I still think he's a, and I don't want to say an unproven product, but he still has to prove to me that he can win without Michael Penix Jr. as his quarterback. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, he had him, what, two years at Washington. The, the, I don't know who his quarterback was at Fresno State, the two years that he put, it was there. Um, I, I know they were good, but it's, you know, yeah. winning at Fresno is a different level for sure. It is a crazy story. I mean, this guy decides he wants to get into coaching, you know, starts working at the with the, the high school level um, as a high school assistant in the late 90s, ends up becoming the head coach at Sioux Falls in the NAIA, like dominates that level, wins four straight national or three out of four national championships, and decides, like, cool, I can dominate this for the rest of my life, but I would love to have a different challenge and starts working his way. He's an FCS assistant. Then he's a, a Mac assistant. Then he gets the Fresno State assistant. Then he's an Indiana assistant. Like It is kind of a cool story that you can go from, like, hey, I just want to get started at the lowest possible level, and then in less than three decades, you have what I think is inarguably the biggest job in college football, being the head coach at Alabama. It's, it's, a, that's a, it's a wild story. I'm with you, though. I think if you're, I can understand why, say, Dan Lanning, the, the, the coach at Oregon who was widely reported to be the number one target for Alabama, would yes. say thanks but no thanks. It seems silly on the surface, but, I mean, he's already like very, very popular in Eugene. Now he's, he's the man who turned down Alabama to stay at Oregon. That buys you some. Let's say that they lose two games this year. Right. In another situation, like the, you know, they may not be like the. Hey, you know, we're making the move to the Big Ten. We thought we were going to go twelve and zero. We thought we were going to make the playoff. In another situation, that may get him a lot of criticism. But now people may be like, you know, he turned down Bama for us. We love this guy. He's going to be fine. He's doing it well. I think there is something to be said for being where your feet are. And, and Steve Sarkeesian also reportedly was like, yeah, I'm good at Texas. Uh, it's only going to buy you 
you have less expectations. You don't have to replace Nick Saban at those places. If Kalen DeBoer goes ten and two next year, he's he sucks. He's ter- he's terrible, even in the new SEC. So, best of luck to him. That's a that's an awfully 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 tough job, but it's a cool story. Um, I hope he does. I was gonna say I hope he does well. I don't you never want to be well. the man following the man, Mike. You don't. You want to be the guy following the guy who followed yes. the guy, right? <laughs> Although, it, or in Louisville's case, you want to be the guy who like followed four times after Rick Pitino, right? <laughs> I, I'll go on out, out on a limb and say he will probably much. There's much more likely of you know a fact that he's going to end up being more like David Shula than he is uh, Nick Saban. I'm just going to put it out there. It's a safe bet, right? Because <laughs> being like Nick Saban is awfully yeah. difficult to do. Yeah, we'll see what happens. All right, we'll take our first break. When we come back, let's talk a little Louisville football. We got some positive news there. It's the Mike Rutherford Show with Rashawn Myers here on the Big X. Happy Friday to you. It's a disgusting, disgusting Friday. The, the weather this week is just going to be like this is seasonal depression overload. If you have it, buckle up because it's going to get cold. It's going to be dreary. It's going to be rainy. We're going to have some snow. Uh, I think the temperature is supposed to drop like 30 degrees today from where it was. The high was like 52. The low is going to be like 22. And it's Ugh. just been disgusting. Like you said, highways flooded. Hasn't stopped raining all day. At least, I guess, if, if you were, it would be a lot worse if it was snow. It looked prettier. But it'd be, it'd be a lot yes. more difficult to get around. That is the one thing I'm thankful for is that it you know we're not a little bit further north or or that cold you know whatever this is. So I heard somebody say winter vortex. I don't know if that's what it is, but I'm just glad the winter vortex didn't hit you know a day early or that we would be absolutely just covered in snow. My best friend moved from Dallas to to Michigan just in the, in the last year, Ugh. and he's like love the city we love everything about it but my god the winter he's like he's like i I don't know if i'm gonna be able to do this it's just the snow constantly it's always freezing uh we don't have that here we've had we really no accumulation so far this year a couple times we've had some flurries but it looks like next week that may change which uh wind advisories today buckle up it's it's a great weekend to stay inside and do nothing and watch, watch football for 72 straight hours Make that happen. Speaking of football, by the way, we have Rashawn Myers in studio. Uh, wake up 502. Listen to him every Saturday morning right here on the Big X. Follow him on Twitter at Rashawn. Two, uh, I always mess it up when I'm looking to tag you. <laughs> it's R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N. I always I always remember that it's two A's now at the beginning. I always and then say, the blame my daddy. My, my daddy was crazy <laughs> and just decided to just make something up. And, you know, at first I hated it, and now I love it because, like, I think there's only, like, three or four Rashans in, like, the whole world. It's super unique. Yeah. It's like, I think everyone kind of hates their name when they're growing up, uh, and then they sort of get used to it when they get older, especially when it's a little bit something a little bit different. Um, I always hated, I, I still actually hate, I don't, I, I've not come around on this, is going by your middle name. Yeah, I, I'm John oh, Michael, yeah. and so it was just always annoying. Like, they're like, John, I'm like, it's actually Michael. Just, <laughs> you know, I just always hated that growing up and still kind of hate it. So we made sure. We weren't going to do the same thing for my my son. My kids were always going to go by their first names. So. I was I, I was never going to go by my middle name. I was named after my my uh, great grandfather, but you know I used to get made fun of in school. My middle name is Abraham, so I used to always get. Remember that Father Abraham song back? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, they, the kids used to just hit me with that <laughs> Father Abraham. I hated my middle name because they always made fun of me. So I do I, I do me. already feel bad for <laughs> you know, naming our daughter Virginia because you know my it's my mom's name it was my grandma's name it's a, it's a it's a family name yes. 
but you know that some snot-nosed kid, like early on, is be like vagina. Like yeah. she, it's going to happen very early on, and she's going to be like, "I hate you for naming me this." I'm like, "You'll, you'll like it when you get older, I promise." You know that they're going to play like Meet Virginia or you know Billy Joel only the good oh, die yes. young. Yes. Yes. It's just it, it is what it is. Speaking of family members, by the way, your your son is. Uh, I always check out your Instagram videos. Uh, he's balling at Holy Cross. He's playing really well. He's playing really well. Holy Cross is definitely by far ha- having probably the greatest season in there. History. I, I told him, I was like, son, one thing that I've always known, you know, since I was a kid is that Holy Cross sucks in everything. And, you know, so they've never <laughs> really been good at, at the whole basketball and football thing. This is by far the best Holy Cross team ever. They made it to the finals of the uh, tournament down there in Miami, the Palm Beaches Invitational. Lost the championship game by two points. They played really well there. Uh, they barely uh, lost to uh, Evangel, who's one of the best teams in the state, mm-hmm. um, in the uh, championship of the uh, All-A. Um, so, no, they're do- doing really, really well. So, you know, big, big shout out to uh, Coach Thomas and uh, Cam and the rest of the fellas. I'm sure they're probably out there listening somewhere. But yeah, Holy Cross is doing well, and my son's, you know, he's he's getting some getting some looks and getting a little bit of you know recruiting. You know, I think I think we may be looking to go to prep school route. You know, give him nice. another year. Um, you know, to kind of get a little bit bigger and stronger. But yeah, he's he's doing really well. Had a nice little highlight dunk the other the other day. So uh, that went tre- trending on Instagram. So he was you know the big man on campus uh, for a couple days there at Holy Cross. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Are you helicopter dadding at all? Are, are you starting to do the thing where it's like, <laughs> get the ball to Cam? Like, you know, no, no, I don't not know why I gave you a country, a South Bend accent <laughs> yeah, yeah, there exactly. at the end. Give him the ball. Give him the ball. Yeah, no. I, you know what? Because I, you know, started in recruiting and that's kind of where I cut my teeth. Like, I've seen the helicopter parents and I've seen the coaches have to deal with that. And yeah. then I coached a bit myself. Um, so I've, ne- I've I'll, I try to do more of just sitting on my hands and just not say anything. Like, of course, he's going to hear my mouth once he gets in the car. But, you know, I, I, I have me and the coach have a very good relationship. We chit chat back and forth more just on basketball in general. But I let him do his thing. You know, and then I'll just keep all my thoughts uh, to myself. <laughs> God, I mean, God bless you. Like, I, I know. I, I feel like hearing stories. I'm already kind of dreading, and I, I don't know if I, I feel like Virginia's not going to get into sports. She doesn't seem to care at all. But John, we'll, we'll find out. Um, he's got a rocket arm. He just does not care about catching. He's probably a quarterback. <laughs> but like, I remember growing up playing CSAA in Catholic schools, and just being super competitive and parents getting into fights and stuff like that and then little league baseball and all and then starting to play travel ball and I remember it being bad then and now I talk to my friends who are old enough to have who have kids that are old enough to start be doing this already and some of the stories are just like like I, I, yeah. I'm not looking forward to it and then my my wife is from you know, kind of a smaller town in central Kentucky so she's not I don't think she's gonna be ready for this at all <laughs> like <Yeah. when laughs> I do I do remember my we played in the city championship when I was in seventh grade in basketball and my brother brought home a girl that he was dating from college, and she just was not prepared for the environment at all. Yeah. It was at Trinity, and you, you've got parents just screaming and like banging on the walls and stuff, and all. And she was just like she was traumatized. I don't think she ever came back with him again. That was it. Yeah. It's a, it's, oh, it's it's insane. It's a world. And, and a lot of the parents, man, they're just so serious about it. like Cam. I mean, I'm gonna be honest. Cam is one of the most improved players in the state, not only the city. He's he went from basically not playing much at all varsity. He now starts varsity, uh, plays pretty much all of every game. He's probably closer to the to, to, you know leader in shot blocks in the city uh, and the state for that matter. Um, he's doing really well, but I mean, I I understand because of like my, I don't know if it's just because I've covered sports that I have a pretty decent perspective. So I don't go overboard, but so many of the parents, man, are just so yeah. you know every kid. I don't care if little Johnny is five foot one and can't jump over a phone book. They are you know beat red, yelling, screaming like. 
It's insane. It's insane. It, it is one of those things that I have enjoyed, uh, and I'm going to be sad to see it go, but at the same time, man, whew, get, get, getting out of those high schools, I, I'll be okay with because they take it just a little too seriously. Yeah. A little hey, bit. And speaking of uh, local local high school basketball, it is the semifinals of the LIT tonight. Uh, you, you've got it, It's a weird year in the city. Not a weird year, but a, a very competitive year in the yes. city. Uh, it doesn't seem like there is you – know, you've got a lot of the best teams in the state, as you always do, but like like Ballard's way down. Uh, they, they, I think they lost some kids right before the start of the year. Mm-hmm. You've got you – know, Trinity is, is good, but maybe not quite as dominant as people were expecting coming into the year. Manuel's very good this year. And the semifinals tonight, you're going to have uh, Manuel versus Butler – a little sixth region, seventh region battle. At Butler six team, that, a Butler team that Holy Cross beat earlier in the year. Did just, they? Just let you know. Yes, I saw they beat Fairdale <laughs> in overtime to make the semifinals, and then the uh, the old rivalry, Trinity versus Saint X, will be the the nightcap tonight, seven thirty, uh, in the Republic Bank Louisville Invitational Tournament semifinals, and then the championship will be like I think Saturday. So, so I'm cheering for Butler just because a it's my alma mater, you know. So there you go, go Bears. But then also we can say if they win the LIT, go like, well, we beat the LIT champions earlier this year. Always a good feeling to be yeah. able to say that. <laughs> Always a good feeling. Uh, on the Louisville football front today, some very very good news. We've kind of been teasing it on the show for a while, and we got the question on the show, the text line yesterday. You know, what's up with Quincy Riley? And you know, I've been hearing for a week and a half or so that he was going to come back. There was some talk a couple weeks ago that he was, you know, wanted to come back, but wanted to make sure that the NIL situation was good for him and, and all this stuff. And then the longer that it, it kind of dragged on, the more I was like, is he going to come back? Like this is, a, I'm getting a little bit nervous. And then today, the, early this afternoon, we get the, the official announcement, Quincy Riley returning to Louisville for his senior season. That's a huge, huge addition for next season's yeah. defense. Uh, Riley, I think you can easily make the case that he was the best cornerback in the ACC this past year. You can make the case that he was one of the best cornerbacks in the entire country. Teams just did not like to throw at him, and when they did, he typically made them pay. I mean, as as bad as UofL's defense was in the, the, the Holiday Bowl game against USC, on the rare occasion that they tried to throw at Quincy Riley, it went really poorly for them. He, he almost turned that game around single-handedly by making that interception around the goal line and nearly taking it back for a score. Uh, he comes back. He'll join Ashton Gelade as, I think, the two best defensive players from last year's team. They're both returning for another season. That's enormous. UofL still has to probably go out there and get a cornerback in, in the transfer portal. They lost Jalen Kimber. I think this is probably directly related to Riley's return. Kimber, the Florida transfer who announced yesterday that he's going to go to Penn State, you know, You've lost Jarvis Brownlee, who's moving on to the NFL draft. Storm Duck has also announced that he's moving on from college football. So you bring back Trey Franklin, who played a decent amount last year and you know is is fine, but not sure that he's ready to step into an everyday starter opposite Quincy Riley role because you're going to get the ball thrown at you a lot next year, whoever that cornerback is. You also have Aaron Williams, who's one of the most highly touted players in the recruiting class a couple of years ago, who redshirted this past year. I'm assuming he's going to take a redshirt. Did not see the field very much. Uh, maybe as a redshirt freshman, he can be that good. We'll, have not heard much about him. It seems like, you though, you're going to go out there and get somebody in the transfer portal that you feel like maybe you could plug in or who could at least compete for a starting spot. Because, like I said, whoever is opposite Quincy Riley is going to have a, a lot of opportunities out there because nobody's going to want to throw at number three next year. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it's absolutely huge. If you would have asked me even, you know – 
beginning before the season started, if Quincy Riley and Ashton Gelati were coming back, I would have been like, there's no chance mm-hmm. that those guys are coming back. So just the simple fact uh, that they've made the decision to, you know, to come back and be a part of, uh, you know, the program for another year, that's an absolutely – that's the best recruiting job uh, that Jeff Brom has done this yeah. year. I mean, but, you know, you got to uh, – I do think the fact that um, Corey Thornton, who was the number one, you know, defensive back for UCF, uh, playing in the Big 12 this year, he had uh, nine passes defensed, three interceptions. Um, the fact that they're going to be adding him 27 uh, total tackles, 23 solo, um, that's huge. Uh, to be mm-hmm. able to have him, so you at least have that guy uh, along with the Trey Franklin. Um, you know, Aaron Williams was, if not the highest rated player uh, recruit in the class, he was one of the highest rated guys in the class. Um, you know, has a lot of potential. Um, I, I, you know, was dealing with the knee injury last year. So, yeah, I agree with you. I, I think that being able to bring in the the, the, the kids from Tennessee, um, the, the two safeties, I know one of those guys played a lot of that uh, kind of that third corner. Um, th- that third cornerback slash safety role as well. So, I mean, I think the secondary is good, but I agree with you. I think one more defensive back, whether it be a guy who's kind of a tweener or a true corner, I definitely think they need to get one more. But I, I don't want to discount Corey Thornton. That sure. young man good is point. very good. Good point. I mean, yeah, a guy who you expect to come in and compete immediately for that, that cornerback spot opposite Quincy. Yes. I, I think they're probably good at safety at this point because you have yes. – I mean, MJ Griffin is back from injury who was – Fantastic towards the end of his uh, his season here a couple years ago, you know you feel good about him. Devin Neal, I, I think is going to return. Um, he's a safety. You bring in Wesley Walker from Tennessee, who's a true safety. He started games for the Volunteers, and then you mentioned Tamarian McDonald, who I think will probably play that star position role, compete with Ben Perry uh, and some other guys there for right. for for snaps. There, they they called it the Nickelback at, at Tennessee. I mean, everyone has different names. Like he can play all over the field. It'll be some true safety stuff. It'll be some like linebacker hybrid stuff. But he's a he's a big time addition there. And I do think that you probably want to go out there. And who knows? Maybe this is one of those cases where you wait until some guys become available after spring practice because that's going to happen. Like guys are going to go through spring practice. They're going to decide I don't really want to be here, or I feel like I'm not going to be a starter. And there are going to be more guys that are available in the portal in April and May, and maybe you pick up a cornerback there. But I do think that you want to make sure that you get that position right. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, you can argue it's it's going to be one of the most important positions on the field because of how much opposing teams are going to want to avoid throwing at Quincy Riley's side. Like Whoever it is, if he's bad, we saw it last year with Storm Duck, who look was an all-ACC player, who we went out and got from North Carolina. When Jarvis Brownlee got hurt and Storm Duck stepped in opposite Quincy everyone picked on him. everyone threw at him constantly he was targeted throughout the game against USC he was targeted throughout the game against Kentucky when he was on the on the field when when Jarvis was kind of going in and out and still a little bit dinged up like whoever it is if he's not good enough it doesn't matter how good Quincy Riley is he can't cover everybody yeah. so you got to make sure that whoever you do start there whether it's Thornton Franklin or, or whoever is up to the job and, and I and I honestly think that you know Q really was kind of in the background. I mean, at the beginning of the year, it was all about Jarvis Brownlee. And, you know, it was really once Brownlee got kind of dinged up and then Riley has that huge game against Notre Dame, that was really what kind of skyrocketed him, um, you know, in terms of being considered the, the best corner out there. And he was just, you know, outstanding from that from that moment on. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, being able to find somebody to fill that other role um, with having him back um, is huge. But, you know, I, I mean, when you can have a, a starter – 
uh, like Thornton coming over. I mean, I know it's UCF, and people still think of UCF. They think of, you know, I don't know, AAC, Conference USA. That that, But they were a Big 12 team this mm-hmm. past year. So if they, you know, if it was a starting cornerback for Oklahoma State, everybody would be cool with it. The fact that it's UCF, I think it comes with a bit of a, you know, that this guy's not on the same level. But I, I will say I, I think that young man is very good. I, I really do. I think that he's going to be a big-time player. I mean, he's got the size 6'190 pounds at cornerback. Uh, that's a big corner. Uh, so, you know, he definitely has the size. He has the numbers. Playing in the Big 12, having those type of numbers. He had six more pass defense than the second uh, best uh, player on the team. Uh, so, you know, I, I definitely think he's the type of player that you want. But uh, finding one more defensive back uh, to go there and at least take over um, the role that's going to be left by Storm Duck, I think would be huge. Yeah, and let's not forget, if you're talking about the best cornerbacks the last three to four seasons at Louisville, Quincy Riley, a Middle Tennessee transfer. Keetrell Clark, a transfer from from Liberty. So, and Keetrell Clark now starting in the NFL, by the yeah, way. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like you have to have a championship pedigree coming into Louisville to be able to to showcase uh, your skills at the Power Five level. And you know, UCF is better than, than than those two schools. So if Thornton can play that like those guys, I don't. It doesn't matter where he comes from. But I, I'm with you. I do think that the the fan base is kind of like, oh, you know, you think UCF, you think offense, you think uh, Group of Five, even though they are Big Twelve now. And maybe you kind of scoff at that, but he showed out there. Yeah, yeah, he's very good. And he's from Miami, Florida, so you know how we do with those Miami boys. Typically pretty well. Yeah, Typically pretty well. Uh, There there was a a little other piece of news today. I don't think it directly relates to us outside of him being a guy that we're familiar with. But Josh Minkins, the former Ballard star who played here, entered the transfer portal. He did announce a couple weeks ago that he was committing to West Virginia. He announced today he's not going to West Virginia, so not sure where he's going. I don't think that he's pondering a return to Louisville. But I don't know that for sure. Um, but he said today, in no uncertain terms, not going to West Virginia. I would, I would guess that his time here is going to be over. With. I'd love to see him come back. His mom's is like super cool, mm-hmm. uh, and she came on, you know, came went to the signing party and had a rap battle with one of our guys on the radio <laughs> during the <laughs> signing party, which was awesome. Um, but no, I, I I love Josh. Um, I do think that he's going to head somewhere else, though. I I would be shocked to see him come back, especially with as many safeties that have now committed to play for the Cardinals next year. And as you said, MJ coming back, I, I just think that he's going to look elsewhere so he can have a big finish to his career. He he made it known after the season that he felt like he wasn't really wanted here. I mean, you know, he said he he played hurt, which you could tell he was he was hurt for most of the year. He said I I played hurt in the uh, the game against Kentucky and, and the AC championship game, and I felt like they didn't really feel like they needed me. And, and, and Louisville bringing back a couple of safeties from this past year. I know Cameron Kelly's gone, but they are, I think, going to bring back Neil, and they're definitely bringing back in MJ Griffin, and then they go out and get a, a couple starters from Tennessee. You feel like that's a pretty solid indication that they were yeah. they were fine with Josh moving on, and, and Josh seemed to kind of feel that way too, which you, you hate because he's a local kid, but at the same time, Coaches have to do what's best for the program. And if they feel like it's not Josh Minkins, then it's not Josh Minkins. But if he wants to come back, more the merrier. Absolutely. You need depth, for sure. We'll see what happens. Um, As far as the overall transfer portal is concerned, we haven't had a chance to talk about that. I mean, since you and I have done the the radio show, I think Jeff's added, you know, I think 632 (laughs) former players in in, in the transfer portal. Um, Your overall thoughts on, on what he's done to add value and depth at positions of need, i.e. the offensive line, the, the, the defensive secondary, and now running back, and also wide receiver where you lose 
all pretty much your your biggest specialty players from last season. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you you, you start out by getting a former five star running back from Miami. Uh, you know, as a starter, then you go out there and you get the the number one rated running back. Uh, you know, out there in Penny Boone uh, from Toledo, um, the baby bus, which I love the nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, when you can go out there and, and just continue to add, you know, wide receivers from Alabama, you get the number one rated wide receiver in Jalen Lucas. You just continue to just add guy after guy after guy. Jerryante Davis. I don't really know how good he is. Um, you know, I know that he is reputed to be just a a, a outstanding athlete you know that you can put out there I know Louisville kind of struggled with depth at the um the linebacker um level last year um but no I mean Jeff has been hot and it seems like he's been able to go out there and just almost not necessarily just handpick everybody he wanted um you know uh, but you know I just uh I can't say much more than you know than and not it wasn't Jalen Lucas what was the the young young man's name because Jalen Lucas ended up committing to Florida State. State. The yeah. other Jalen, uh, the, the wide receiver, the young Colin. No, Colin, Colin Lacey. Lacey. I'm sorry. Yeah. I apologize. Colin Lacey. Um, but outside of Jalen Lucas, who ends up at Florida State, um, Brahms pretty much just handpicked everybody he wanted, seems like. I mean, that, it just seems like every single guy that's that he's wanted to go after, for the most part, he's gotten. So when you can do that, and people said that Louisville was kind of the new hotness on the uh, you know in the transfer world, when you see the way transfers have played for Louisville the last couple of seasons, I can't be too surprised. I mean, now they're talking about possibly another tight end uh, coming yeah. and committing to Louisville. It just it's unbelievable. I love it. You know, I don't know where all these guys are going to play, and I fully expect that there's going to be um, a few defections after spring training. But I love it. Bring in as many people as you want. Let it just be the Lord of the Flies out there for spring practice, and it's just the, the survival, of the fittest. And whoever gets those, you know, one first and second on the depth chart, they're good to go. And everybody else that wants to leave, leave after that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, you mentioned Jaleel Skinner, the tight end from Miami, who I, I saw is it Pete Nakos from from on three. Yes. which I, I love that we're doing this now. He said he placed a, a crystal ball pick with 70 percent confidence that Miami <laughs> tight end transfer Jaleel Skinner will land at Louisville. Why, why stop at 70%? Why don't you go with like 71.66% repeating? <laughs> like Just go for that. But Skinner is a former five-star recruit who actually flipped from Alabama to Miami on signing day a couple of years ago. Uh, he has 10, 10, two years ago, he played a, a decent role for Miami at tight end, had 10 career receptions for 138 yards and a touchdown, playing 11 games for them. Sat out last year, redshirted the season and uh, I guess because of an injury and then wanted right. to go in the transfer portal afterwards. So, I mean, he kind of is your replacement for Tanner Sobiel, who we lost back to Ball State. You bring in Redmond, you bring in Isaiah Cummings, you bring in a couple other guys at the tight end position. You bring back Nick Kariski and it looks like Jamari Johnson. Yeah. So that's going to be a crowded room. But we look, I think it was very obvious how much Jeff wanted to use the tight end last year. He's always used the tight end a lot and just felt like he couldn't with the personnel that he had. Started to do more as time went on in the season because Joey Gatewood got better. Kariski kind of evolved into his role a little bit. But it's it's pretty apparent with the way that they're targeting tight ends that they're going to use that position much more in the passing game next year. Well, the the, the, the biggest issue with the offense, um, in my personal opinion, especially with the passing game, was that Louisville was kind of forced to just play out on the perimeter a lot, getting the ball outside the numbers. They weren't really able to use the middle of the field nearly as well as they wanted to, both because I don't think they got as much production as they expected out of the slot receiver package and the fact that they didn't trust the tight ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that that's where you're going to see probably the biggest development in the Jeff Brom 
uh, offensive side of the ball is that you're going to return to being able to use the middle of the field because we saw how how big the tight end position was against Miami. I mean, Louisville literally won that game in my part, in my opinion, in large part to what they were able to do getting that ball down the middle of the field. Yeah, uh, Kariski had some big catches. I mean, they you know Gatewood had a huge catch catch in that game as well. So I mean, when you're able to balance that and you know be able to attack that defense from all three levels uh, of the field. Um, you know, and, and work over that middle of the field. I just It makes such a big difference. So, I mean, you would think that Redmond is going to be the man uh, coming over from San Diego State, but all those guys, I mean, he, you know, Jeff loves using two tight end sets. He'll use three tight ends. I mean, heck, he threw uh, – who was that that caught the touchdown pass, the big offensive lineman? Yeah, uh, uh, D'Angelo Hutchinson. Yes. we yeah. got to go to break. we got 4 o'clock hour on the way next. I want to get cut off here. 502-414-1450, Thornton's text line. Coming back to the break. Four o'clock hour here is the Mike Rutherford Show. Rashawn Myers with us in studio. Follow him on Twitter at R-A-A-S-H-A-A-N. Uh, we've got uh, two more hours to go here. We want to hear from you this hour on the Thornton's text line. We'll open up the show to you. It's your show, damn it. 502-414-1450. And a reminder, Thornton's has the best deals for you all winter long. If you have to be out in this ugly weather, traveling and you need to, uh, to fuel up, Thornton's is the best place to go and the best place to take advantage of all their great deals is by be, being a refreshing rewards program member. Download that app. Use it at the pump. Save yourself some money. If you have to stop inside and grab a tasty coffee, donut, whatever, It'll save you money on that as well. Do all that and then text us at 502-414-1450. All right, text line. Let's see what you got for us on a Friday. Happy Friday to everybody. Texter says, is Minkins coming back to the Ville? No. I don't think so. Agreed. Maybe. Who knows? We don't know. <laughs> Texter says, are you saying to take NC State minus six? That's the spread? Hmm. I'm saying I don't know about this game, you know. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect. I I don't think, I obviously I don't think that much of Louisville. I want to see them do it consistently. I was surprised by what they did. Like, I think betting on any Louisville game at this point is just you're begging to lose money because they were 16 and a half million dogs at Miami. They won by nine. Who I don't knows? like that spread either way. Actually, I don't like. I don't six. either. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm staying away from that game. I, I'm I'm doing nothing after that. Texter says, uh, so maybe we don't go after Cronin. We talk about what's happening with Mick Cronin. I mean, the, the man, even if he wanted the Louisville job, which I think he does, and even if Louisville wanted him, he has made it a much, much tougher sell to the fan base to, to hire Mick Cronin right now. He has a worse record than Kenny Payne this season. I mean, UCLA basketball is a complete dumpster fire both on and off the court. Uh, last night, they go to Utah, a you know good Good Utah team, fine Utah team, not a great Utah team, and they lose by 50. He so he lost his top assistant, his big recruiter, in the offseason to the Raptors. And, you know, they, they lost Jaime Hawkes, they lost uh, Tiger Campbell, they lost basically their best players from last year's team besides the Dembona, and he had to, to bring in a bunch of guys. They didn't do very well in the transfer portal. They didn't have a big recruiting class coming in. So he chose to go this route where he took a bunch of international players, a, a bunch of kind of unproven guys from overseas. And it turns out they're not great. 
And you know what they also are is a group of guys who aren't responding well to their coach throwing them under the bus after every single press conference, <laughs> which he's kind of done. Um, and if you saw any of the highlights from last night's game, it's very clear that they've just kind of quit. And Cronin, I think, was trying to do a little bit of damage control after the loss. He did He did do his post-game press conference this time. And he said, I think the guys got punch drunk. They're good kids. We don't have bad kids, trust me. They listen. They're embarrassed. But that doesn't help. I was concerned with this. They're punch drunk, and you've got to fight your way out of it. I've been there before. It's been a while, but I've been there. I mean, we are, we are trending towards a UCLA team that is going to be like, I don't know, like like nine and twenty one or something like that. Like they they may win single digit games this year. They're very 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 bad. And I when you're coming off of your own ridiculously embarrassing stretch of time where it's like this is Louisville basketball, you can't do that. It's kind of a tough sell to hire a guy as good as he's been the last three years, who is going like nine and twenty two at a place like UCLA. Yeah, no, I I was not high on the um, on the you know, Cronin or uh, you know, on the Mick thing to begin with. Uh Mike Cronin as they like to call him out there. <laughs> um I was not big on, on his selection anyway, just because, you know, somebody made a good point. It's like nobody liked Chris Mack. And Chris Chris Mack used to beat his head in. He did. Every time they played. So why would you want the dude that used to get beat up by Chris Mack? Which I kind of agree with just on fact he just reminds me of the little left the little Notre Dame that leprechaun. I just I don't know. He's just small and angry and just I just would not. I, I mean, if if they if they ended up going that way, fine. But I just don't know if I would enjoy covering Mick Cronin. Like honestly, I just I, he would not be great with the media. <laughs> I just yeah no, he, I, I'm not a fan. I mean, the the real loser in all of this is the Bring Brom Home guy because since he started doing the Mick is the pick thing on like, spamming everybody's tweets. I think Cronin is. I don't know if he's won a game. Since I don't that think happened. he has. No, he's. I believe, I believe they lost every and game. They're getting their asses just handed to them by it. This is the toughest battle that the Bring Brom Home guy is ever going to endure. I mean, people hated him when he kept doing the Bring Brom Home thing after we kept Satterfield in in 2021, and he just he kept it up, kept going, and eventually it paid dividends. I don't know if this one's going to end as well because he's got he's got like two months of tweeting through a bunch of Pac-12 losses. He's going to have to find a new rhyme for a new coach. Let's go ahead and switch it up. It's okay. <laughs> Just pick anybody. <laughs> yes, anyone. Just, you know. Yeah, I, I, I know you're going to do your pick today where you're yeah. going to pick the number. So, you know, pick that guy, whoever that is. We'll let you do it right now. How about that? We, we have our, our coaching rumor of the day. The the text line always wants us to talk coaching rumors. Who have you heard is interested in the job? And since there's really no information coming out of uh, UofL, we just make up one every single day. We have a random coach pick every single day based on a certain set of rankings. It's a very secret system. Don't worry about it. Um, I, this is what sources are telling me. Rashawn Myers, give me a number between uh, 1 and 62 today. Uh, well, my son wears no, number 33 on the basketball court, so I'm going to go with 33. Okay. This is I don't know how we're going to feel about this one. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm hearing that in the midst of a slightly disappointing season. Oh, no. In his first year as a full-time head coach. Rodney Terry of Texas. Oh no. <laughs> he's very interested in taking the Louisville job. He was blown away by how close we played him at Madison Square Garden back in November and now he uh he wants to go ahead and parlay that into the Louisville gig. He's ready for the job. I could actually believe that rumor because I um, think he's going to get run out of Texas. I think Rodney Terry would absolutely take the Louisville job. I don't I don't think that's the issue at play here. <laughs> I think the question is whether or not Louisville would want Rodney Terry who's not exactly 
covering himself in glory this year. I mean, they're, they're not terrible. They've got three very understandable losses, but they also have not really beaten anybody who's who's very good. Um, I mean, hell, they, they beat us on the last second shot. So he's got he's got more talent than. He's as got long a, as it's not the DePaul coach, I was like, I was like, oh goodness, please don't be the DePaul. Well, coach. we're not we're not doing pick a number between one and two fifty, <laughs> so I think we're not going to get down there to, to Tony Stubblefield. I did hear. Did you hear the, see the DePaul fans? The viral clip of whoever was calling their game being like, Tony Stubblefield's the guy for the yes. job, and I was like, God, we are DePaul. Like, like yeah. we, we we literally have become DePaul. They remind me so much of each other. It was so funny to see them that game. Like watching that game literally looked like the little Spider Man meme of the yeah. both of the guys. Like it was the same thing for both teams. It was hilarious. And Louisville lost that game. You can see why, you know, DePaul almost hired Kenny Payne. Why they were seriously considering it at one point. Absolutely. Yeah, no. They uh, ended up hiring baby Kenny Payne. Yeah. <laughs> literally. <laughs> Though they're still probably going to end up with more wins than Louisville. Yeah, maybe it's Daddy Kenny Payne because he didn't. He, he, did, he did beat us this year, but yeah, that was. Yikes! We are the two worst programs in Power Conference basketball, and they beat us. So you know, we gotta. We need Vanderbilt to take some more else. Well, so we can I'm, move I'm ahead gonna ahead. hop on. I'm gonna hop on uh, Cardinal Authority and put on there today that you know there Rodney it is. Terry's the guy. Rutherford Show said it. Yeah. Rodney, we have a, a, a our list of candidates now: Sean Miller, Jawan Howard, Grant McCaslin, Fran McCaffrey, Mitch Henderson, Fred Hoiberg. And Rodney Terry, Ugh. that's who I've I, that's who what, what I've garnered. Terrible list of coaches. <laughs> give me, uh, <laughs> give me Fred Hoiberg. He's killing it in Nebraska. He's my favorite from the list. Yeah, well, they they did blow out. Who was that? They just blew out Purdue. Yeah, they just blew out Purdue. So. Yeah, he's doing a good job over I'll there. But that. it's yeah, he's been pretty bad the last three. But hey, beggars can't be choosers here. I, I just want to get. I want at the end of the day, whoever we actually hire to be somebody from the list. That's what I'm hoping happens. <laughs> And we got we have like eighty more days. Of that this. way you can say heard it here first. You heard it here. For, I mean, yeah. Please credit Mike Rutherford's show <laughs> in your reports. He was the first one to say it. Texas says, except for Central Arkansas, all picks made a serious bank yesterday. Oh, this is somebody who texted in and said, "I like San Francisco team total as well as Milwaukee Bucks, Central Arkansas, Tulane, Oregon State to cover." I went one for two on the picks that I gave out last night. Uh, honestly, very lucky. I, I, I took Towson to cover. And they did, but in overtime. So that was a kind of a, a lucky break. And then I took Northridge, who had not, who had never failed to cover on the road before last night, and they got absolutely hammered um, by um, UC Davis. So one for one there. I don't remember what uh, Scoots gave out, but it wasn't right. Betting on West Coast basketball—that is a. I love right the Big there. West. I love the Big West. I'm a I'm a Big West guy. Uh, wow. I'm a big fan of the uh, the the UC schools. I love them all, and, and Hawaii. Throw them in there as well. Texture says, if we aren't able to hire one of the most massive names being thrown out there, what do you think about T.J. Otzelberg? Took Iowa State from 2-22 and to the Sweet 16 in one year. Now he has them at number 10 in the net and number 3 in Ken Palm. Is Iowa State 3 on Ken Palm? I feel like he'd be a sneaky great hire. Um, I was not number 3 on Ken Palm. I was number 15 on Ken Palm, but still very good. They just beat uh, number 1 on Ken Palm, Houston. I... Like T.J. Otzelberger, for whatever reason, maybe it's because he's out in a different part of the country and he's got a funny name, <laughs> does not have that cachet. Like I, I think if you told the average Louisville fan, like, what about T.J. Otzelberger? They'd uh-huh. be like, yeah, they'd, you know, uh, come on. Like, give me somebody I've actually heard of. All the guy's done is one, wherever he's gone. I mean, crushed it at South Dakota State, which is a, 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 a good mid-major program. Uh, went to UNLV, and he didn't have a ton of success there, but nobody wins at UNLV. And then gets the job at Iowa State, and like the texter said, takes a team that was two and twenty-two. And don't tell me that you can't have quick turnarounds in this day and age. Don't tell me it's a, it's a slow rebuild. Iowa freaking State was two and twenty-two. They hired a new coach. He won twenty-two games and went to the Sweet Sixteen the next year. 
And they were back in the in the tournament as a sixth seed last year. And now they're twelve and three, and it looks like the best team he's had. Like he he does it in the portal too, which I think would make him attractive for Louisville. We you have to have a coach that has had success in the portal. I would not hate it all. I'm not saying he's like my number one candidate or anything, but if Louisville hired TJ Otzelberger, I, I would I feel like I would have to fight the masses that would view it as an underwhelming hire because I think he'd win here. I really do. I mean, I, I look at the I, I just decided to go ahead. Let's pull up the Iowa State schedule. And I, I will say this is that they have feasted on what some may call a ton of cupcakes. Like their non-conference isn't as bad as Louisville's, but it's they did just beat the number one team in, they in the country. Fair, fair, fair yeah. enough. They they did beat Houston, and that was a humongous win. Like don't I'm not sugarcoating that at all. But that was literally their first quality win. Of the season, you're not gonna give him credit for beating DePaul by 20 on the road. Yeah, no. We couldn't do it. Yeah, this is true. You know, <laughs> but I mean, losing the losing the Virginia Tech, uh, you know, the, but yeah. the, the, that's that's a, a rough one. But you know, there's no shame in losing the number 12 Texas A&M or number 11 Oklahoma. Uh, you know, so those aren't bad losses. But I was just looking back. I was like, well, let's see who they've beat. Yeah, they. they I mean, not a New Hampshire, row. Eastern Ele- Eastern Illinois, Florida A&M, Prairie View A&M, DePaul, VCU, Grambling, Idaho State, Lindenwood, and Green Bay. And uh, Iowa, yeah, I was decent. And, and not Iowa. great. Not great. You know, I mean, they did. Hey, they, by twenty-five. I mean, that's impressive. But I mean, just uh, the good thing is he's in the Big Twelve. We'll have a if they're frauds, we'll find out pretty quickly. Louisville fans are not going to have. I, I don't feel like they would have an appetite for that dude at all. He would get just thrown over the coals. I mean, what I would say though is it's Iowa State, and he again took a team that was two and twenty-two and went to the Sweet Sixteen the true, next year. True. Like that's you can't just gloss over Absolutely. that. And then kind of you know consolidate that success and, and prove that it wasn't a fluke by earning a sixth seed the next year. If, if he does it again this year, that's three straight yeah, yeah, pretty damn absolutely. good years. And you look at Iowa State and you're like, it's not a program that has anywhere near the resources or the history or the whatever as Louisville. And you would expect him to take a step up um, when he got it. Again, I'm not saying like this is like my number one choice. Oh, any, but it, any competent coach, in my personal opinion, Mike, should sure. be able to make Louisville a perennial tournament team. I think any coach, if you are at least competent at your job, with the transfer portal and the resources of Louisville, I feel like you should be an every year tournament coach, even if you're not, you know, a championship level coach. I think you should be able to get Louisville to tournament every year. Period. Yeah, there are guys who have, who are like would never be candidates for this job because they haven't won at high enough levels at you know mid major programs. Who I think would have success here just because it's Louisville. Like they know what they're doing, they just don't have the tools and the resources right. at their disposal to win at a high enough level to get anyone's attention. Like this is a place where. And I've been screaming this to the high heavens for the last two years. Like, it's almost impossible to be as bad as we've been over the last two years. Like you have to be doing everything wrong to I only totally win agree. four games at a place like Louisville. Yeah, I agree. Like you know the, the the fans, the the resources, the type of talent that you can bring in. You know, especially with the non conference schedule we played this year. Like there's just there's no excuse to be in this position. And I think you have a lot of coaches out there that would like be like, hey, if you just gave me that job. I'd show everybody just how much I can do. We'd go to Final Fours. We'd win the national titles. And they're probably right. But you got to find the right one. Texas says, Mike, if the worst-case scenario for the men's basketball team is that they string a few wins together, wouldn't the best-case scenario be that they win uh, They just, they just win just a few to make taking this job a little bit more palatable for whoever's going to be our new coach? I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how you feel, Rashawn. I, I don't buy into the whole, like, Louisville is so bad that it's, it's going to – turn away coaches i think that's true if you're dealing with the ncaa stuff mm-hmm. or if you're dealing with a, a terrible administration or whatever if it's just that they've been bad i think it makes it more of an appealing job for a coach that's out there because 
when else, when have you ever, and when will you again have a chance to go to a place like Louisville? Again, we the, the, the AP poll, the all-time rankings came out this uh, this week that had Louisville as the number six all-time AP poll team of all time, like a top six program in the sport. When will you ever have the opportunity again to go to a place like that? And if you just sniff the NCAA tournament in year one, like you're a hero, right? Like if if you go to the NCAA tournament in year one, you you know you'll you'll call riders up at the Derby. They'll they'll make you the man of the year. Like to me. Like you said, you always want to be the guy after the guy. You, you don't want to be the the guy after the guy after the guy. You don't want to be right after Rick Pitino or right after John Calipari or right after Nick Saban. Like we are in such a low spot, and we're so desperate to get back to being good. If you just give us a modicum of success, then we're like, damn, this guy's the real deal. It's never been like that before, and it probably never will be like that again. Hopefully, if we can get this thing back rolling, to me. Like, that would make it more of an attractive job to somebody. Hey, let me tell you something. I 100% agree with you. With like that, the biggest thing you got to understand that people look at what Kenny Payne is doing. He is literally driving a Ferrari into a brick wall. Okay, so when other coaches look at this Louisville job, now that you're past the sanctions, now there's no cloud, there's no you know questions about any of that stuff. When people look at Louisville, and let's not even talk about the NIL collective that Louisville has with the what the collective's been able to do with football. If you don't think that the 502 circle can just make magic happen with the recruiting of top-level athletes, people look at this like the golden goose, okay, of basketball right now. Because not only do they have all the resources, wonderful NIL department, amazing facilities, but then you only have to be better than just not the worst college basketball teams to ever play in a Power Five conference. Mm-hmm. If you're 500, if you're like you said, if you're on the bubble, uh, you know, l- Lord knows if you make the NCAA tournament, you're going to be national coach of the year. Yeah, <laughs> like oh no, I think that this has made this job way more um, in- enticing to coaches because they can come in and be heralded as a hero. Yeah, you know, people forget even as. It was so much better when Chris Mack took over. I mean, David Padgett, in, in a tough situation, damn near took Louisville to the NCAA tournament in 2018. They were one of the first teams left out. And even then, you, you forget how thrilled everybody was that Chris Mack got that first Louisville team into the tournament as a seven seed. Like, it, it was an overachievement. We were like, damn, we got made the right high. We're only going to get better. And we thought we were, you know, it's year two, that team that was preseason top 10 and got to number one. And we're like, here we go. We're right in the, in, in the right direction. And, and that was at a time where, the pro- we were a two seed in 2017, and we still were <laughs> thrilled that Chris Mack took us to, to the NCAA tournament as a seven seed just two years later. You talk about how excited we'd be if we went to the tournament next year after going through everything that we've been through over the last five years. I think it would be, yeah, it would be amazing. Texture says, I agree with the take that Louisville has talent. An adequate coach would have this team on the bubble with James Clark and BHH. I, I, I agree with that. I know it may be, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't have anything to, there's no way to know. It's not an exact science or anything, but I feel like you've got enough talent. Just seeing with the eyes that, 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 that you should be right now, eleven and four. You could be easily be ten and five, and right there in a down ACC, in a position where you could win enough to get yourself on the bubble. Mike, we just had the most cupcake schedule. I mean, we've never had a non-conference schedule as easy as what we saw this year. Nope. And, and with the with, with the team, Louisville should have been no worse than what was it, eleven and two. Coming out of that first stretch, you know, going into that Kentucky game, I believe should should have been the record, something like that. Ten and two, eleven and two, nine and two, something like that. They should have only had the two losses up in New York. You should have beaten every other team on that schedule. And going into that Kentucky game, trying to see what they can do to just at least not get destroyed 
Um, so, no, I agree with you. I mean, a, a good coach, um, you know, or a competent coach with this uh, personnel that you have um, absolutely has this team, um, you know, with more than 10 wins right now and looking to try to, you know, be in a bubble conversation. But so I, I told, I mean, there's talent's not the issue. It's just organization um, and just scheming and, and game planning and, you know, all those things that, you know, are <laughs> fleeting. But you know what? Sure. They, they, they had, they won Wednesday. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I said tomorrow. this yesterday. Even if you didn't like, you know, go 11 and 2, like you said, if you just flip those three really embarrassing losses, you know, Chattanooga, who's 179 on Ken Palm, they beat you by 10 on your home floor. If you win that game, and you beat um, Arkansas State, who's 156 on Ken Palm, on your home floor. DePaul is 256 on Ken Palm. They are atrocious if you go up there and win that game. And let's say maybe you're a little bit more impressive in your wins over Bellarmine and New Mexico State. At that point, we're 9-6 and six and we're 1-3 and three in the ACC. It's not great. But it's you can be like okay, like like you know at least they're beating most of the teams that they should beat. They've lost uh, every other game has been against good, not great teams. But I I can live with this. Yeah, it's those three games that I think really flipped everything entirely, and the fact that you were really underwhelming. Uh, you beat New Mexico State in overtime, who's a terrible team. You barely beat Bellarmine, who's flirting with being in the three hundreds on Ken Palm now. Um, you know, you weren't competitive in the games against Virginia or Virginia Tech or Kentucky. Or Pittsburgh, really, um, like all of that. Like it, it could have been. I mean, they they should have lost UMBC. They, they should, had two UMBC too. Yeah, they they had two free throws at the end of the game, basically with no time on the clock. If they hit one free throw, Louisville loses that game too. When if if they make the foul call on Trey White, where he just <laughs> grabbed the dude yeah. by the head, yeah, and when we got the, the weird alley oop to go ahead, it's like <laughs> okay, not exactly what we drew up. And Kenny Payne's like, we practiced that. I was like, do you? Do you? Texas says, put the pipe down. Louisville was not remotely talented last season. None of the players who left are doing anything this season. Just say you hate KP. Totally fine, but stop trying trying to dress it up with some BS argument. There's a difference between saying that they were like super talented and saying they were more talented than a 4-28 record. I, w- I will never say. I mean, look, if you're trying to say that we're talented right now, our two best players this season have been Huntley Hatfield and, and Mike James. They were on last year's team. And... I know that L. Ellis and, and, and Kamari Lands aren't exactly setting the world on fire at other places. They're still better to collectively than a 4-28 and record. I, I will shout that. to the, Is the talent level anywhere near Louisville standards last year? Was it anywhere near Louisville standards last year? No. But it's also not bad enough to be losing to you know, Bellarmine and Appalachian State and Wright State and all of these teams that we lost to. Well, I mean, if you look at if you look at the recruiting rankings, if you, I, I, they do a composite every year of teams based on the recruiting rankings, star rankings, uh, average over all of the different sources. Last year, Louisville had the thirty seventh most talented roster in college basketball. There's there's three hundred and however many teams there are in college basketball. Louisville had the thirty seventh most talented roster based on those consensus star rankings. So, I mean, you know, we understand that does you know everybody doesn't pan out when you get to the collegiate level. But at the end of the day, there was only 36 teams that had higher overall star-rated players than what Louisville has. So that means if you're in the top, what's, you know, 37th out of 300-some-odd teams, you're in the top, what, the 15th percentile, I guess? You yeah. Know, in the top. I mean, you're talking about they, they should they weren't 4-28 and 28 bad. They didn't have 4-28 and 28 talent. They That roster itself says that you should have been able to win 12 to 15 games, period. 
Yeah. Period. I mean, you know, even with a horrible coach, even if you had, you know, I don't know, name me any LSU coach outside of Will Wade for the last 30 or 40 years. You know, terrible coaches. But those guys at least won games because they had talent. It should have never been as bad as it was last year. So while Shout out to Johnny Jones. You know, hey, hey. You know, I mean, that's that's all I'm saying. Like, there was talent on there. At least all the recruiting services thought these guys were talented. They just didn't win. So that that's what I'll say about that. That text was also uh, the Mick Cronin hater who's very, very excited about what's happening right now. He said, I've been waiting to text the show since 1130 last night. UCLA lost by 46 points to Utah and was down 50 points with two minutes to go. This is yet more evidence that Mick Cronin sucks and should never be mentioned as a possibility for Louisville. If Hurd tries to hire a coach with a losing record to replace KP, then he needs to be on the unemployment line as well. This is the, I mean, I, I said this, I think, last week where I think that we're going to keep doing this with all the coaches, where we're just going to nitpick them. And and the trouble is, if you do the opposite of what we're doing with Mick Cronin, where he had three really good years, now he's having a terrible year, and we're like, can't hire that guy. What if you hire somebody who's you know had three really bad years before this and is having a really good year now? Like Does that necessarily make, just because there's a recency bias going on, does that make him a better candidate? I, I feel like we're eventually going to have to hire, or have to settle, Settles the wrong word, but we're going to hire somebody that the fan base is like, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't check every box because there aren't candidates out there that do check every box. And, and, and if you want to say, I mean, Scott Drew, I think, is the one out there who probably checks the most, but it seems more likely than not that we're not going to get him. And it's going to have to be somebody that I think we talk ourselves into. And there's just, it's not reflective of the fact that Louisville's like, so far down and in a position of less power than it was back in the day, which is true. It's more reflective of the fact that like there's not a Rick Pitino floating around. There's not, you know, Jay Wright's not coming back to college basketball. Billy Donovan's not coming back to college basketball. There just aren't those available candidates that have a resume of, hey, I've been to this many Final Fours. I've coached at the Power Five level. I've won a national title. Those guys just aren't out there right now. And if they are, they're not leaving their current job. So it's going to have to be somebody that we're all like, yeah, you know, this concerns me, but hopefully it can get fixed here, whether it's Cronin or well, I mean, if, anybody. If, if, if it was true that Scott Drew really had to kind of be talked out of taking the Louisville job last time because of the sanctions and just having a good situation at Baylor, you just have to, if you're a Louisville fan, you just got to hope and pray that that's the truth because if, if that was the truth, you know, two years ago when Kenny Payne was hired, then you would think that Louisville's got to be a much more attractive situation now, A, because of what Kenny's done with the team and the fact that you know the future for the team. Um, you know, if it's true, I, if, if I'm Scott Drew and I was interested in the job two years ago, you've got to be interested in the job now if it was true he had interest to begin with. I think he had interest. I, I don't think it's necessarily true that he had to be, like, talked out of it. M- my understanding was always that – you know, his agent did the thing where it's like, hey, like, you know, Scott, Scott might be interested in talking. And Josh absolutely kicked the tires on him and went. And it was a pretty quick back and forth where it was like, eh, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, but like you said, if there was interest then, but the, let's just say that the, the dominant factor in him choosing to stay at Baylor was the uncertainty in the future at Louisville, you'd think that right now he would have more interest. One, Baylor has kind of taken a little bit of a step back. They're still very good. But they're not like you know they they weren't national title good last year. They lost Jerome Tang. They've lost a little bit of their defensive identity, and maybe there's a sense that I've kind of done all that I can do at this place. Like, yeah. how sustainable is it for Baylor to be a perennial top five team? It's it's remarkable what he's done. I don't know if you can keep that up for another 10, 15, 20 years. And he's at that age where it's like if you do want a 
a second challenge in your life, like a second major Do chapter. Do Roy Williams. Yeah, yeah. like, like th- this is the time to take it, whether it's going to Louisville or going to Kentucky in a few years or going to wherever. Like, th- this would be the time where he could be talked into it, I feel like. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, like, I, if there is any sort of like a, an inkling uh, of interest out there, I'd be shocked if Josh doesn't go out there and, and it, at least make a pitch, right? Like, yeah, he has That'd be to. my first phone call. If there was, if it was true that there was interest the first time around, that's got to be my first phone call. For the sure. First time around. Totally agree. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you on the Thornton Sacks line at 502 414 1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show with Rashawn Myers here in studio on 1450 The Big X. Happy Friday to you from all of us here at 1450 The Big X. It is the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show with Rashawn Myers here in studio as we continue to take you up until 6 o'clock, get you ready for the weekend. Shout out to the UVL women's basketball team last night, continuing to just take care of business on a nightly basis. Uh, the cards went into Pittsburgh and rolled out of there with a 74-44 to victory. Never really in doubt. They raced out to, I think, a 12-0 lead to start the game. A little bit of a... a kind of a shaky second quarter, uh, allowed it to be closer than it should have been, and then absolutely put the clamps on them in the fourth quarter. 26-6 to was the score in the final frame. Uh, Louisville now 3-0 and in the ACC, 14-2 and overall. Pitt dropped to 6-11 and overall, and 0-4 in the ACC. Uh, Olivia Cochran, yet another double-figure performance. Eight straight game that she's had 10 or more points. She was fantastic. Sydney Taylor with 13 points. It's cool seeing, like, I feel like the box score every single night for this UofL women's team is kind of the same deal, where it's like nobody has more than 14 or 15 points, but you've got four or five double-figure scores, yeah. and the averages reflect that. I think their leading score is still Kiki Jefferson, who's averaging like 12.1 points per game. It's just so different than what we're used to seeing as Louisville women's basketball fans, where you've had a superstar, a conference player of the year candidate, whether we're talking, you know, Angel or Shoney or Dana Evans or Maisha Hines Allen or Asia Durr and I mean Haley Van Lith last year. And this year you don't have that, but you just have so much depth at every spot. It's it's cool seeing this team come together. They're playing really well right now. They'll take on Wake Forest at home on Sunday at two o'clock. Make it out there. Yeah, yeah, you know what? There's there's one team that I know that I can count on. So when I'm not watching Ancient Aliens, I'm watching Louisville women's <laughs> basketball. <laughs> uh, I mean, it it is a deal where like it doesn't matter what the pieces are. You, you know, I mean, we lost more last season than we've ever lost since Jeff Walsh has been here. He had to bring in. We only brought back four players from last year's team. He lost some midseason transfers uh, in, in the freshman class last year, so he had to bring in nine completely new players. And I still was like, I trust Jeff. Like, like they may not be national title good, but they're going to be top t- uh, top twenty good. Like, they'll be right there in the mix. It would not shock me at all if they go to a seventh straight Sweet Sixteen. And they're still the only program in women's college basketball that has been to five straight Elite Eights. And it wouldn't shock me if this group got to a six. Like, that's how yeah. you the man's earned our trust at this point. And until he has some sort of disastrous season. Just trust whatever he's doing. It's that defense, man. That they are a tenacious defensive team, and he he wanted to build a team that looked more like 
what South Carolina does, where you got a lot of big guards and bigger, longer players and kind of build around the defense and just find a bunch of people that were really good at scoring at their old spot. And right now it's working. It's taking them a little while to get offensively together, just kind of getting that um, cohesion and that fluidity. Um, but their defense has been outstanding since about the jump. So, you know, I, I think that UConn game, getting their butts kicked pretty good, up there in stores kind of gave them a little bit of a wake-up call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think since then they've kind of focused in a little bit better. But I'm excited for it. I think this is a team that I still don't think they're near where they can be because they're just still getting comfortable with one another. But they got a lot of pieces. And, and you know, I really like Jefferson. I really like Taylor. Jada is coming along. Jada Curry is coming along. So I, I've always been a big fan of the women's team. I follow – I love basketball in general, so I don't care if it's men, women's, international, whatever. I, I watch everything. Um um, but, no, I, I think that they have a chance to have another really strong run come March. Of all the things that I miss on the men's side, and it's so much, <laughs> it's having that dominant defensive identity. Yes. Because even when you had just kind of okay offensive teams, you knew you were going to be right there. You, you knew you were going to have a shot. If you just had one or two guys play above the above their averages on offense, you knew the defense was going to be so consistently good that you always had a shot. You weren't going to get blown out. Yeah. And you know, we've we've moved so far away from that. And it, it's kind of the opposite now where you feel like even if we have tremendous offensive performances, we may not win because we just don't defend anybody unless they miss a bunch of wide open shots, which thankfully was the case on on Wednesday. Whoever the next head coach is, and I understand why that makes a guy like Chris Beard so alluring to so much of the the, the fan base, even with the off the court stuff. Because you, you want a coach who's proven it at the defensive level. Defense, you know, I'm not going to say defense wins championships. It I travels. Hate, I hate that travels. saying. because yeah, it, it, it travels. Defense and offense both win championships, yes. but you cannot win a, a national championship. You cannot go to a Final Four, I think, without being a really, really good defensive team in this day and age, yeah. unless you just get super low. I mean, Louisville was one of the worst offensive teams to ever make a Final Four yeah. uh, in 2012. I yeah. mean, but they were good. They were just so good defensively that they were able to make it. I believe they had like the lowest three-point percentage of any team to ever make the Final Four exactly right. at that time. Um, so, I mean, yeah. I mean, we saw what Rick Pitino could do with a great defensive team, and that's just one of the things that are e- easily translatable is to find really good defensive players. I think that's one of the reasons um, that they've been so successful down at Houston with Kelvin Sampson is that his teams are just dogged defensively. Same thing with Chris Beard. And then they just find talented offensive guys and work around that. That's kind of the formula um, that um, uh, Scott Drew has uh, implied at Baylor as well. Find a, find a bunch of long, athletic guys and just have them defend their tails off. And then we'll just find you know good enough offensive players to make it work. Yeah, in 2012, Louisville finished that season in uh, 112th in adjusted offensive efficiency. Yeah. 112th. And they won 30 games and they went to a Final Four because they were far and away the number one defensive mm-hmm. team in the country uh, in adjusted defensive efficiency, 85.5. That was four points clear of the next best team on that list. And that's, you know, look, defense. At a certain point, they ran into a Kentucky team where it was like you needed a little bit more offense to to really put a, a scare into them. But we re- had, hey, it went down to the final segment, and it they was had scary. A shot. We put they a scare. And if we had just a little bit more, we could have won that game. I think freaking Darius Miller. Ugh. it was that, and it was the. I, I think the worst thing, and I hate I could talk about this game for for. All <laughs> The worst thing that happened to us in that game was getting to a point where we actually tied it up because we were climbing that hill yes. the entire – and Siva hits that three at the top of the key, yes. which is one of the biggest overreactions. I was there. <laughs> I think I threw my shoulder out fist pumping. 
And it was like for a split second, they were like, oh my God, we did it. What do we do now? Like, like the, everyone just kind of froze. And they had that possession. They actually stripped the ball from Michael Kidd Gilchrist. And like, like it, the ball's just kind of sitting there on the floor. And like nobody goes for it. And he just picks it up and lays it in. And then Chris Smith takes an absolutely atrocious shot on the next possession. And then we just kind of like got scared. It was just like, oh, I don't, I don't know. It's really a game now. We kind of, we panicked for a second. And yes. in, in that panic, in that moment where we froze, that was all Kentucky needed to retake control. And then, you know, they were, let's be real, they were just a better team than us at yeah, the end of the day. Definitely. I'll never forget going to that game and being like, all right, Gorgie, I feel like you can do this. And Anthony Davis comes down, little right jump hook. I'm like, all right, you know, what can you do about that? We got him. It's, it's okay. And then Anthony <laughs> Davis comes down next question, little left-handed jump hook. And I was like, all right, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what we're supposed to do uh, when that's the case. Yeah, we're yeah. right there in position. Uh, but it was, it was yeah, whatever. Went to the Final Four with Cal Keurig playing power forward. Christmas starting. That's un Christmas starting and Cal Keurig playing power forward. Rick Patino, man. I mean, that's why, you know, I I, I won't say that I bought a St. John's shirt, but I'm so glad (laughs) to see Rick back in big time basketball. And that was, let's be real, like that was sophomore Russ, where, you know, the the good still outweighed the bad, but there was more bad than we saw in 2013 and 2014. Uh, And, and, you know, Peyton was, was great as a junior point guard, but he was certainly better. As, as a senior, that was freshman Shane was starting on that team. Um, yeah, I mean, you had – and then, like I said, Chris Smith, I don't think sh- – I love Chris Smith. Should not have been playing a role that significant <laughs> on a Smith. on a Final Four Louisville team for sure. I mean, Jared Swapshire was was a key part of that, that March you run. You go back and look at that, and you look at that team like you look at, like, LeBron's first Cleveland Cavaliers yeah, team. Yeah, for know? sure. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, how did they make a Final Four? It almost makes more sense that they were scoring, you know – 51 and 49 points in those last two losses to South Florida and Syracuse than it does that they won the Big East tournament and went to the final. I mean, they beat a Florida team in the Elite Eight that was shooting like 60% from three in that game. It was just a crazy, crazy sequence of events, and it it was defense. I miss them days. I know. I miss those days. I mean, think about it. Like The NCAA tournament's been going on for a long time. We held a a number one seed in the the, the three-point era, or in the tournament, the expanded tournament era, has never scored fewer points than Michigan State did when we beat them in the Sweet 16 that year, 57-44, with Draymond Green and all those guys. And then I have to watch a video of Rick Pitino calling his two guys on his current team the poor man Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Never like, change. God, I mean, like, that. Just there's the, the theater around it, just everything. That's what – you have to have everything. That's one of the biggest things and one of the biggest missteps for Kenny Payne was just not understanding or not being comfortable or not being able to understand that the – the Louisville job is much more than just coaching a basketball team. Like this is a basketball just it's a it's life. So you have to be bigger than life, you know? Like yeah, that's what it sure. is. And he just that was the one thing that he uh, of all the missteps I think that he probably did not understand that portion of the job the most because we we love all of it. We eat it up. That's I mean, that's what we are. Period. You have to be the right kind of crazy. Yes. To take this job. You've got to be and I said this last year when we were talking about the Final Four. I'm like, Danny Hurley's the right kind of crazy. Like like he he's basketball crazy. And you have to have that mindset if you're going to excel at a place like Louisville or can or Kansas or Kentucky or wherever. And like I you know, I, I feel like the last like you have to, and this sounds terrible, 
But like you've got to care about this job kind of more than you care about your family and other stuff. Yes, like, yeah, you absolutely do. Yes, like you can say that you know family comes first and all that stuff, but the <laughs> we reality pay you to put your family second or third. Exactly. Like, <laughs> the, the reality is like this kind of has to come first, and you know I, I could never do it. I think you know, for for a variety of reasons, but I, I think that most people could never do it, and it's why it's so hard to find guys that can crush it here. And the next coach has to be that level of crazy. Totally agree. I was texting with somebody who's, uh, I mean, very, very close to Rick uh, the other day about the UConn stuff. And, like, you know, he keeps talking about, <laughs> he's like needling Danny Hurley. And he's like, he's like, I don't know why Rick's doing this. He's like, I think he's bored. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, that's just, that's just what he does. He's like, he's like, I don't even, he's like, I have no idea why he keeps doing this. I think he's just bored. I was like, I think he wants a rival in that conference. And he's picking on the biggest dog right now. You better believe it. That's who he is. Because, I mean, that's, that's who Rick Patino is. And I, I love it. I mean, just everything about it. I've watched more St. John's basketball this year than I will care to admit. And I've, and I've, you know, I loved St. John's back in the day, even back, you know, with, with Artest and, and Barkley mm-hmm. and those guys, um, and then even earlier than that. So I've always been kind of a casual follower of St. John's when they've been pretty decent. But, I mean, I've watched way more. I've watched so much St. John's this year just to watch Rick on the sidelines do his thing. Like, it's just been fun to watch. I'm glad he's back. I'm not one of those people that holds a bunch of hatred towards Rick Pitino. I appreciate everything he did. So, you know, I'm glad that he's better for basketball when he's coaching, period. Yeah, they've won four in a row. They'll take on. They have a tough one tomorrow. They're at Creighton, who I know, by the way, like I know he said things about the way that, uh, that Greg McDermott coaches defense. I've heard that before. So we'll see if he has something for him. But yeah, they they're fun to watch. They play a familiar brand of basketball. I what the, what's the spread on that? I might have to take St. John. If if I was a betting man, I'm not a betting man, but you know, I'm gonna would, guess it's about eight because yeah, that's what Ken Palm. I, has I would take St. John's and them eight points. They've been. Look, they I mean they were. Damn competitive against Soriano's UConn. Soriano's a monster. I mean, I know he's not a poor man's Shaq, but he is an absolute beast. He is. And I, I read the, the – I think it was The Athletic had a really good story about Rick before the year started and about, like, Joel Soriano basically saying, if I'd known what it was going to be like, like, I would never have come back. He, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm, he's like, I'm the – he had to like convince me to come back. I'm this team's best player. I'm the captain, and he's telling me all off season like how much I suck and how I don't deserve to be the captain. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, I've, I've just never. He's like, and then when we started having practice, and he starts, you know, propping me up. Like he's like, I sort of can see the process. I, I you know, it's a trust thing. Like you have to. He is certifiably insane, and the things that he asks from his coaching staff and from his players, it makes no sense unless you have the track record that he does. And it's why you have to have that level of trust. If, if, when somebody's asking you to do all this stuff, and you're like, in the back of your mind, you're like, this just seems wrong. This seems terrible. Like, I don't, I don't know if I signed up for this. And then you look at all that he's accomplished. Like, that's the the level of trust that you have to have. And it's why we need a coach here who, if he's going to be that crazy, needs to have some track record before he gets here of like, hey, this works, and I can point to it and show you because I did this, this, and this at A, B, and C. Uh, the text line is five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. Thornton's text line, I should say. Texture says, I guess Vince Merrow turned down the Alabama job, but he's a top candidate for the Washington job, I'm hearing. That's the word. Oh, gosh. He may not be the number one candidate, but he's a top tier candidate. That's I what mean, everybody's saying. Washington Huskies, big dog. <laughs> I can see it. It works, it, it's perfect. <laughs> Texas, hey, hey, put the bo- post the b-ball bets on Twitter. Well, if I'd done that the last couple of days, then you wouldn't have been happy. I mean, you were 50-50 last night, but at most books, you're going to lose money if you hit one out of two. Texas, so Q Riley coming back. Is the expectation this year to be in ACC contention and make the playoffs? That seems reasonable, maybe. I wish Bama would take FSU's coach, but even if they don't, playoffs in Cardinal Stadium coming soon. Eyeball emoji. I, I mean, Rashawn, what are you, you, we go to – 
unprecedented heights with a first-year head coach last year. No, no coach had ever won 10 games at Louisville in his first season. We do that. We go to the conference championship game for the first time ever. And now you're looking at some of the pieces that we're bringing back and some of the pieces that we're bringing in. And I do kind of wonder, like, where's the bar for the fan base? Are they now going to be disappointed if we do anything than win fewer than 10 games? What's your expectation for year two under Jeff Brown? I mean, you know, Louisville finished, um, rightly or wrongly, at number 19 in the final AP poll. AP poll. So that means that Louisville's probably going to fin- uh, start next year ranked in the top 20, if not the top 15. They've had an outstanding recruiting class um you know a transfer class the transfer portal is getting bigger and bigger they've brought in a lot of big names they're going to continue to bring in more um i think that the expectation is absolutely that they should be a contender um for the acc championship game again um they do have their big road game at clemson i know they go to notre dame as well but that's not a conference game um so that doesn't necessarily count i mean but clemson is not necessarily scaring anyone right now um, you know, Dabo's still not doing much of anything in the transfer portal that I've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that Louisville's going to have a chance to be right back. With the, I, I think that the defense can be better than it was last year. That's crazy to say, considering how good the defense was. But getting Gelati back, getting Q Riley back, um, bringing in Thor, bringing in you know the the uh, the bookend safeties from Tennessee, uh, getting MJ Griffin back. I think the defense can be better, and I think the offense can be better too because I think Tyler, uh, you know, Shook. Sh- sh- or uh, what, what's his first? Is it, is it Tyler Shuck? Is Tyler, Tyler Shuck. Tyler yeah. Um, Ty- Tyler Shuck. I think he has a chance to be better, um, you know, than, than what we had this past year. Um, but can he stay healthy? Uh, if he doesn't stay healthy, you know, is Pierce or, or any of those guys ready for the for the spotlight? Um, but I think that the, the Louisville offense is going to be better. I think they have more playmakers at the wide receiver spot. I think their running game is going to probably be as good as it was last year, um, and the tight end room is going to be better. So, I mean, I think that the expectation should be Louisville is back contending and they should finish in the top three, you know, top three, top four at worst of the ACC. And with their schedule, you look at their schedule, Mike, it's not that much more difficult than this past year's. This past year's was a very forgiving schedule. Um, I don't think it's that easy, but I don't think it's murder's row either. I'm with you. and It's so hard to talk about. Like the strength of schedule right now, yeah, transfer with, with portal. A, with the transfer portal, and also a conference in the ACC where it seems like there's three or four teams that are supposed to be good every year that suck, and three or four teams that are supposed to be bad every year that, that dramatically overachieve. Right. So it's like I, I think you can look at the fact that one, we play Notre Dame on the road this year. That'll be tougher than than hosting them last season. That's an upgrade. We play at Clemson, who even in a down year, if we'd had to play them last year on the road. Uh, you know we've never won there. We hope we've never beat them here either. But like that will be tougher than it should add strength to the schedule. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that we're playing Kentucky on the road. We've they beat us on their home field last year. We have not won there since 2017, which was the last time we beat them. Period. Mm-hmm. Like those three things, you're like, okay, the schedule is probably going to be tougher overall. But like, I but don't the good know. thing is that there's only you, you name the three toughest games sure. on the schedule, and there's only one conference game in those three. Like I, I don't know. You know, we we play Miami at home. Who knows what Miami's going to do? Like right. we always think Miami's going to be great, and they always wind we up being like, eh. "We own Miami." We, yeah, we, we it's own. true. Yeah, we, in every sport, come now. on, Mike. Yeah, we're at Stanford. <laughs> I don't know who. Maybe that the, the cross country trip is going to affect us. I don't know. Uh, you know, Pitt plays us here. They were terrible last year, but they kind of have our number. Who knows how they, how good they're going to be? Like you just don't know. Yeah, and I mean, I think the schedule, strength of schedule wise, like our schedule 
ended up being tougher than most yeah. people thought it was True. going to be coming into the season. I think we ended up ranking like 49th or something in the country where everybody was like, it's going to be the 78th toughest schedule. And it's because like NC State beating them on the road wound up looking way better than we thought it did at the time or the, that we thought it was going to coming into the year. You just don't know. And you would think without Jack Plummer and still having Jeff Brom as your coach with an upgrade of it, pretty much all those positions, at least from what people think of those guys, you would think that Louisville's going to have a great opportunity. Um, you know, I think two, two conference losses gets you into the ACC title game. I think if you have one or two losses, I think you get there. So even if you have to take a loss at Clemson, I think Louisville's going to be right there. So, you know, I, I think that that should be the expectation now. I mean, that's why we got Jeff Brom. We thought that year two was going to be the year where Brom really had an opportunity. He just did it a year early. So I think that the unbridled optimism should be there. Hey, why not? Yeah, I mean, I I think even if you – you we play Notre Dame at the end of September on the road. Even if you lose that game. I think the expectation should be to still to be flirting with being a playoff team for most of the year. You know, you may not be there, mm-hmm. but you should be like ranked twentieth or or nineteenth or something, and at least giving us the chance to dream about what needs to happen for us to get up into that playoff or get into the conference championship game. I think that needs to be the expectation. If you win, if we go like eight and four next year, I'll be like, yeah, you know, it's not terrible, yeah, but. It's below where I want to be. If you go nine and three, I'm like, that's we're meeting expectations. We're good. Hopefully, we can keep getting even better. Ten and two. Ten and two. You're like, all right, let's (laughs) let's get it done. And again, the combination of wins matters. If you told us before the season that we were going to win ten games this year, I think we all would have been like through the moon, through the moon. If you told us we're going to lose to Kentucky on our home field as a touchdown plus favorite, we'd be like, Uh, eh, well, that kind of sucks. Like you know, beating Kentucky next year would go a long way towards, I think maybe healing the wounds if you're on the outside looking at the I needed playoff. Jeff Brom to do what Charlie Strong did when he lost to Kentucky that first year. Because in that press conference after that, he said this is the last time that we're losing to them. Yeah. And, and I would have loved to hear that out of Jeff Brom after that loss because I don't care how good Kentucky's gotten. Louisville should not be losing to Kentucky. I'm tired of losing to Kentucky, and I am not accepting another loss. I hated that they lost that game. Just that that kick return. And it was just such the Kentucky way yeah. for Louisville to lose that game to them. I'm hoping it's going to be a similar progression. Charlie lost the first game by touchdown. It was the first game ever at UofL. And then the next year, we go on the road, upset them in a game we were supposed to lose, and he goes and tells his team, like, you're never going to lose those guys again as long as I'm here. And he didn't. You know, it was only two more years after that, but we, we never lost to Kentucky again Love with Charlie it. at the helm. I'm hoping we have a similar thing this year where Jeff goes on the road, beats them, and then he's like, yeah, we're never losing to him again. I heard Stoops is getting that Washington job now. Well, that's, that's Merrill. <laughs> that's, that's Merrill. That's, that's the big deal. <laughs> he's got to get that raise. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it would be nice to – to win that game for the first time in a while. I mean, I did love the fact that Jeff, according to everybody, was like depressed by by the loss. Like his players were like, we know how much it means to him. Like he feels like we feel like we broke his heart. He feels like he let the whole city down. I thought coach was gonna cry in a press conference. He was crushed. I ain't gonna lie to you. I mean, there are people close to him who were like, it's the most upset I've ever seen him. And that, I was like, good. That's like, like that Friday live was like, he's gonna cry when he gets in the car. Yeah. That's what I said about Jeff. We left the press conference. He was very, very upset. But it's it's good. Like at least yes. like I mean, you know, we know it's not going to be a thing now where next year he's going to be like, oh, I don't know. Like, you know, we, we, I don't know if we can get up for this game. I'm a little bit like he's going to be like, you better. Like we may get a Jeff Brom breaking a chair pregame speech next yes. year. Like, like he's going to do everything he can to win that game. We, the man loves to highlight big games, and that's going to be a very, very big game for him. 
Uh, would love to see him get it done. We got time for one more text here before we go to break. Texter says, uh, Mike, is Brahms year two defense going to be better than the year two offense? Jeff's D just keeps going and going. <laughs> it's getting deeper every day. I think the defense, I mean, the defense for most of last year was better than the offense, it seemed like. Yeah. Maybe that changed. The defense was bad against Kentucky and it was bad against um, USC in the bowl game. But for the most part, the defense kind of carried the team. I think the defense has a chance to be better than the offense. I hope it's not the case because I hope the offense is is a lot better. I think we'll be a better passing team. I think we'll be a we'll take a step back in the running game just because Jawar was so good and Isaac Rendell was so good in the second half when Jawar got dinged up. Uh, I think Penny Boone will be great, but we need some other guys to step up and be. I mean, Jawar was elite last year. He was when he was healthy. He was He's so unbelievable. Good. But I do think I mean Tyler Shuck having a, a little bit of giddy up will also help the run game. I think you'll see yes. him used a lot of that, which will be fun because there were runs all over the field last year. you got a quarterback, quarterback that can run. It just makes it a lot better. It, and I think that's the offense that Jeff wants to install, for sure. Let's take a break. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour is up next. We'll reset. We'll talk about some things that we've uh, discussed, some football notes, talk a little NFL as well. And you on the text line here on The Big X. hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show, the Friday edition here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. we got Rashawn Myers in studio with us. You can hear him again tomorrow morning on Wake Up 502. I'm assuming you all will be doing a show tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Despite absolutely. the weather. Maybe. Yes, sir. Hopefully. We'll get you in there. Like the postman. <laughs> no, we, always going to be there, always delivering. Yes, sir. Uh, we've got an hour left here. If you want to have your thoughts heard on the radio, text us on the Thornton sex line at 502 414 1450. We've been discussing a number of things today. Uh, Louisville men's basketball, the reaction to the win over Miami, looking ahead to this, tomorrow's game against NC State. We'll talk more about that this hour. UofL women getting it done last night on the road against Pittsburgh with a 74-44 to victory. The big news of the day is Quincy Riley, the all-ACC cornerback, choosing to come back to Louisville for one more season with him and Ashton Gelade. The Cards are returning their two best defensive players from last season. That's a big, big, big deal. We've got um, NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. We'll talk about that this hour if you want to have that uh, thought. We meant, we're talking about Jawar Jordan in the running game there before the break. It should be mentioned, Jawar Jordan today uh, officially announcing that he has accepted his invitation to the 2024 Reese Senior Bowl. What do you think about Jawar as a – I mean, I get why he felt like this had to be his time. I think there was a little bit of a decision for him to make as far as him coming back and maybe mm-hmm. taking advantage of the NIL here. Um, I, I mean – his draftability, I've seen some people saying he could be a sixth or a seventh round pick. I, I can see Jawar certainly getting a training camp invite and potentially making a roster, or at least being a practice squad guy next year. 
Yeah, I, I definitely think he's a he's an NFL back when he's healthy because uh, he, he has both the, the power to run between the tackles but also the speed to take a home run. I mean, Keaton Mitchell uh, was a superstar uh, for the Baltimore Ravens. He was a fifth-round pick, um, and that's kind of who Jawar reminds me of is kind of a smaller guy but just runs very, very strong for his size and has home run speed. Uh, you know, I, I would think for NFL teams the biggest worry would be the injury concern. So I think a lot of what happens with uh, Jawar is going to come down to his medicals, uh, what they get back on that. Um, I think they would like the fact that he's been lightly utilized uh, a lot in college. I mean, he's never, he, you know, sure. until this past season, he had never really been like a big time workhorse back. Um, so he st- should have a lot of carries under his, his carriage. So, I mean, I would say a six round, seven round undrafted guy, but I definitely think he's a guy who will make a roster just because um, that playmaking speed is, I mean, he can make speed, he can cut at full speed. And there's not a lot of guys that can do that. Um, so when you have that skill set, I think he'll land with somebody, at least on a, a on a practice team. It is. It's another one of those years. I feel like we've gotten kind of accustomed to this, where Louisville probably is not going to have a highly drafted player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there was a, a long period of time there, even at the beginning of the Satterfield era, where you know we were having one or two guys that were going to be first or second day draft picks. And I mean, this year. I mean, who do you think is probably the the first level player taken? Is it probably Jamari Thrash, I guess. I mean, I would guess just because the wide receiver position is always a position, uh, you know, high position of need now, and, and Louisville really doesn't have anybody on the line. I mean, you would think that, um, you know, the, the our center um, Hudson Hudson would have the opportunity to be drafted, but because of his injury concerns and the fact that he plays center, center position always get you know drops a bit. Uh, you know, you're looking for big tackles, so yeah, I would say probably Thrash is your most likely highest-rated guy right now. I guess there's an outside opportunity, outside possibility that no Louisville players could get drafted. I think Jamari Thrash and Jawar yeah, Jordan I both agree. have like sixth or seventh round draft grades, according to most of these sites. But like Jermaine Lolay is on some draft boards now. I think he's still – he has not made an official decision, I guess, but I think he's leaning towards coming back. I think that's the – the understanding i guess we'll find out i mean i think he would point. he would definitely be a guy that uh, you know would be interesting for teams but i could definitely see teams saying you know what you had a couple of injury riddled seasons we mm-hmm. want to see you be healthy from start to finish he could come back take advantage of nil because when you get a big uh, uh, a pass rush and a nose tackle like jermaine is i mean he shows athletic ability for his size yeah if he can stay healthy he could still be drafted pretty high even for a guy who's you know been going to be in school six seven years there were a couple times last year where in the second half of the season where he started playing more and I see like a huge guy making this crazy yeah. lateral play and I'm like who was that and he pops up I'm like oh and and you could see why he was so highly regarded as an NFL prospect when yes. he was at Arizona State yes and if you could just you know I think you're right though I think being his size and having his background if he could play like a full season healthy next year at Louisville maybe that would make him more draftable now he probably he's gotta be like 24 years old at yeah. this point i mean that's the whole thing with all these seniors now right it's like how how many years they've been six seven eight years yeah, i mean tyler shuck's gonna be renting cars in september <laughs> yeah. he's gonna he's he'll turn 20 he turns 25 on the day of the notre dame game which is crazy i mean yeah i think i was i've been doing this the, the blog for like six years by the time i was 25 25 years old which is kind of crazy to think about but yeah that's the uh, we're going to get, like we're going to get into an a, a, a time period here pretty quickly 
where the extra COVID years are going to be a thing of the past. Yeah, the super seniors, I'm tired of them. I'm so tired. I mean, I can't figure it out. Like, he's listed as a redshirt senior, and he still has two years of eligibility. How does this work? Like, <laughs> I, like I feel like I'm wearing the U of L people out when I'm like, does he have an extra year? And like, half the time, the guys like, I, I'm not sure. Like, we're trying to figure it out too. Like, we, like we don't know if guys have a years left or two years left or whatever. I mean, between super seniors and medical red shirts, you know, all that type of stuff. You know, you never know how many years guys left. I honestly, if I'm at a program, especially one that kind of off the beaten path i'm just playing guys until the ncaa steps in and it's like <laughs> he's been here for nine years i'd be like i we thought he had another year sorry and they're like <laughs> the perry ellis of college yeah football. just like prove to us that he didn't <laughs> uh, you know we looked into it we thought he was good to go uh what do, what do you want me to say but I, I feel like four years from now we're gonna be looking and you know it's gonna get back to like the you have five years to play four seasons type deal yes and we're gonna be like remember when we had all those 26 year olds playing college <laughs> basketball and football that was kind of crazy wasn't it and you know we, our quarterback in 2024 was 25 years old yeah, that's insane but I, I am looking forward to when I don't have to figure out if a redshirt junior has three or four more years of eligibility left because it's gotten it's gotten very annoying it's a little ridiculous it has gotten a little ridiculous do you have an nfl team Rashawn? i know i feel like we've talked about this before. Uh, well you know i i grew up an oakland raiders fan because you know of the whole tecmo bowl thing bo jackson sure shout out you know what i'm saying but of course um since lamar has been in there i've been a, a ravens guy to death so i still love my, my raiders even though they are horrible and just continue to make terrible decisions on everything uh but yeah i'm a big time ravens guy now i love the loyalty as a Lions fan, I can respect it. Uh, <laughs> trying to hopefully cash in this weekend. I don't like that every – I feel like every NFL person that I've seen make picks for the NFL playoffs is taking the Rams to beat the Lions. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> this is – I mean, we've been – this feels like the season we've been waiting for for like 20 years, and if it ends with a first-round loss to our I old quarterback, yeah. Just, just give it – I mean, I'm not even saying like it's Super Bowl or bust or NFC Championship. I just want to win one playoff game. Yes. It hasn't happened since I was like six years old, and I'm – it's time. I'm ready. I'm ready to celebrate a win. Um, and have like one more week to get excited about this thing, but uh, we'll find out on Sunday night how it's going to play out. the The actual playoff games start tomorrow. We've got Browns versus Texans. That'll be fun. I mean, you got the old Ravens quarterback Joe Flacco, which I I went back and saw a you because know, you have this thing where. Ravens fans are kind of, you know, they're obviously pulling for their own team more than anybody, but they're sort of pulling for the Browns too because they oh, still no. like Joe Flacco. I'm definitely cheering for the Texans. Yeah. I do not want any part of seeing Joe Flacco come back. No. That's a nightmare scenario right there. And, and people were, <laughs> I, I saw some Ravens fans finally being like, bringing back his quotes from the night that they drafted Lamar in the first round where he's like, he's like, my friends and I were laughing when they drafted Lamar Jackson. Like, how can you root for this guy? Like he was, I get that it's a business. I get that he was like fighting for his job, but he also was just very dismissive of Lamar in those early quotes. I read the full story and I was like, this guy's kind of a D bag. Like when I'm, when I'm reading this stuff, I got nothing really against Flacco, but I'm a Lamar guy. And like you, I want to avoid the disaster scenario where the Browns are playing the, the, the Ravens, with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, and they, you know, pulled off the, the yeah. stunner of all stunners, no. and everybody's like, "This is why you can't have. This is why that you can't have a guy like Lamar Jackson." Like, what do you mean a guy like Lamar Jackson? Yeah, he's not quarterbacky enough. <laughs> I, I do love the the, the the comic who's like, you know, those those bleeping guys out there who are like, "There's something I miss about Flacco." There's just I can't put my finger on it, <laughs> but there's something I trusted more about Flacco. It's like those guys are st they're still out there, and I don't want that person. He's like a coach on the field, Mike. He's, he's, <laughs> You know, he's, he's got a certain grit to him <laughs> that Lamar just doesn't have. Ball, I mean, it's, it's a nightmare scenario. Like just between, I don't want that to happen. Between Flacco and the fact that that defense always gives Lamar fits. 
Yeah. Um, that just it it is just one of those things of all. I don't care if the Ravens play anybody else. I do not want to see the Cleveland Browns at all on that field because it just feels like the here you know the chopping wood. You know, everybody, Rutgers, Louisville, you know, and everybody, I love you or whatever that crap they had on the back of their jerseys. And it will be that that feeling for me as I watch the Browns beat the Ravens. God. Yeah, I mean, I guess the Browns would if they won this game, unless you had a an upset in the Dolphins and Steelers games. Yes. You'd have the Browns versus the Ravens in the, in the second round, which would be, I mean, you already have the narrative out there enough. Like, uh, if I've seen it once, I've seen it a million times. Like, Lamar's never won a playoff game. Like, yes, he has. Like, just he's <laughs> yes. won one. It's not, uh, you know, he's been not great in the playoffs, but everyone's like, he's never won in the playoffs. I'm like, so you're overstating it. I need Lamar to at least get to to play well in the first game and win it and then get to the AFC Championship and then hopefully they can, you know, take care of business. I mean, just getting to the Super Bowl, I think, would be awesome. But I'm so sick of this narrative. And I hate, I hate that guy that is out there that's like, you know, just uh, ball security is what wins Super Bowls. Did you see Joe the Flacco. Stugatz comments on the Lebertard show? No. Did you, you didn't see that today no, where say? he said that, you know, Lamar Jackson, even if he's won the two MVPs, who cares? You know, until he, he wins the Super Bowl this year, he'll never be considered one of the elite quarterbacks. He's got to win the Super Bowl. Ridiculous. I, just the most ridiculous. <laughs> it was the most ridiculous comment. But those guys are out there. They're everywhere. And I mean, like, you know. Sometimes I think we forget that one quarterback wins the Super Bowl every year. You know, <laughs> it's, like, it's not so like only the only quarterbacks that are elite have won Super Bowls. Is that what we're saying? That's it. That, that's it. You can't. <laughs> yeah, you, you, nobody else is good at the sport. Like there's there's two good people that play this position in the entire world, basically at this it's point. But I would love to see him play very well because he's had such a dynamic year and he's doing it in a different way than he was doing it the last MVP season. You know, not as much stuff with the feet. He's just. He's proved himself to be an elite passer, um, and he doesn't have. It's not like he has like a ridiculous amount of weapons around him either. He's got. They've gotten better at the wide receiver position. They drafted well. Uh, they brought in OBJ, who's been you know at times like a nice little target for him to have in the end zone, especially the last few weeks. But it's not like he's just loaded with Randy Mosses all over the field. Um, but I, as badly as I want the Lions to to have success in the playoffs, right behind that is my my desire to see Lamar Jackson have success and shut all these morons up because it's it's annoying it's beyond annoying it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous I mean it's just it's like come on man like they just you just have those guys that are just so invested in they had their opinion that you know they're just never going to that right. they're never going to let it go that they're just never going to stop and it's just going to be that until Lamar wins a championship it's going to just continue to be a thing. Yeah, Browns-Texans tomorrow, 4.30 kickoff on NBC. Cleveland is a very slight uh, road favorite, minus uh, one and a half there. And then 8 o'clock on Peacock, the peak, the dreaded Peacock game. It's the Chiefs hosting the Dolphins at 8 o'clock from Arrowhead Stadium where it looks like it's going to be like minus 6 degrees. Um, Kansas City is a four-point favorite. I, loved, I saw somebody on Instagram yesterday had the uh, – this is the Chiefs getting off the plane, or this is the Dolphins players getting off the plane in Kansas City, and it's the Cool Runnings, the bobsled team, when they're leaving Jamaica and they they get off, like they don't want to walk out of the airport. Uh, it's I mean, there's a lot of talk about the elements out there. It is kind of crazy that this is the on paper this is the most exciting game of the first round because you've got you know Tyreek Hill and that crazy offense, and then obviously Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and you know the reigning Super Bowl champions and all that stuff, and it's the one game that I think people are gonna. How badly do you want to watch this? Are you going to get Peacock? Um, they I think did it for the Swifties. They did it for the Swifties. Yeah, I mean, it's the look. It's a smart thing if you're trying to get subscribers or at least people to buy it for one night. I, I did because when I saw the news initially, I was like, "This sucks for you know if you're a Chiefs fan or a Dolphins fan." 
in the markets, I saw that it's available for free on Peacock if you're in Miami or Kansas City. But if you're outside that area, like for us, you're going to have to have a Peacock subscription to watch, which uh, I do. So I'll, I'll be watching. Come over to my house. Everybody watch it. We'll, we'll have a good time. It'll be great. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Um, your thoughts on the NFL playoffs or your thoughts on anything. We'll get to that. We'll get to as many texts as we can before the end of the hour here. The Rams game, by the way, the Rams-Lions is at 8 o'clock on NBC. I've got to wait a long time, but I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Texter says, the etymology for the Virginia name is Latin for land of the virgin because of Queen Elizabeth's chastity. So there's your fun fact. Thank you. Oh, there you go. We were not taking that into consideration <laughs> when we named her. <laughs> poor, poor thing. She's going to get, yeah. People are going to be mean to her about it. It's fine. Texas, the past text was a reference to the weirdest thing I genuinely oh, believe. If the Louisville men's basketball, okay, we, did, we talked about this yesterday. I was having a question with a conversation with Scooter Dingus about like conspiracy theories and weird things that you like genuinely believe. And this person texted yesterday, I'm a spirit child of the big green man flying in the sky. He is a legion. A 1-4 will be scorched on the earth. And I was like, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and they said today, the past text was a reference to uh, the weirdest thing that I genuinely believe. If the Louisville men's basketball team wins 14 games, a giant green man, Trevor not wearing a seatbelt, will fly through the sky and the world will end. I might have been a little high when I sent that in. I also think I would enjoy being at Trevor's house and I would win that contest. Yeah, I hope you were very high when you sent that in. We did have Kenny Payne bring back the spirit child reference uh, after the the Miami game where he was he called Mike James' true spirit child. I'm like, dude, are we really doing this still? Come on, man. <laughs> the spirit children thing just needs to... That's who Mike James is. He's a spirit child. I mean, I was like, you know what? If, if this is the time that you want to get the spirit children to talk back out, what better time than to do it after a win, after a big win? Make it happen. Texas says, I need a uh, Rashawn and Mike alien convo. <laughs> hey, ancient aliens, man, I'm telling you. I admitted yesterday aliens are my biggest fear, besides dying. <laughs> I'm terrified of aliens. I don't, I don't, yeah, because Scoots was saying he believes in aliens and he wants to see them before he dies. He wants them to show themselves. And I was like, I, I believe in them. I don't want to see them before I die. Like, I, I want no part of that. I want aliens to stay far away, leave our planet alone, leave me alone. I don't, I don't want it to happen. Oh, me, me and my son have had the conversation way too many times where he's like, Dad, if the aliens came, what are you going to do? I said, go in the other direction as quickly as possible. He's like, no, no, we got to go and talk to them and see them and drive wherever they are and go find them. I'm like, son, no. did you ever, have you ever watched any, no, like any, any movie ever? That's always the worst idea. I was like, let somebody else go and then let them figure out what's going on. Then go from there. If they can get it to us and we can't get to them, <laughs> then they, they've got the advantage. The ball's in their court. They can kind of do whatever they want to do. It's how I feel about the all the AI stuff. One of the it's now the, it's the spot that plays on KRC now. Is I was like, we don't have to do this with the AI with moving forward. Have we never watched a science fiction movie? Have we never read anything? Can we not right. use any sort of logic? Like we don't. This ends poorly. They taught the robot how to do karate now. So it, now it's it awful. How to do karate. It's like, what are we doing? <laughs> what? I, I stand by my assertion. You know, the Amish. They were like, you know what? This time period in in seventeen twenty. That's when humanity reached its peak. We're going to use technology, but only till then, and we're stopping. I think we need to do the same thing with AI. Like This is our Amish moment where it's like, okay, we've got just enough technological capability to have some fun, but not get overthrown. Well, did you see that? You saw the story about the, the AI that they had um, attacking the targets uh, you know, for practice, and the AI learned that they would get rewarded 
if but by how many targets it destroyed so at first when they told them don't destroy the target the ai would listen but when it learned that it would get more points for destroying the target it told them not to destroy the target and it still went and destroyed the target anyway because it knew it got more points see see what i'm saying i'm and, like <laughs> and this is like the prehistoric age of ai like yes. this is these are the these are the first steps it's going to end poorly like but, but you know we don't have long left here. We're almost done. <laughs> but yes, for anybody who wants to know, yes, I absolutely believe in aliens. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know about the whole Area Fifty One. I know they found the aliens in Mexico and and brought them to the to the press conference. Did you see that? The I did. Aliens, the press. So I de- I don't know if they're little green men. I don't know what they are. But yes, I do believe in aliens. Because every we talked around the show, and everyone was like, "This guy's a noted grifter. Like he's he's done this before. Like all this stuff." And then I saw a follow up story like two months later, where it was like they tested the like. The, the, the little creature yeah creature it, it, it was not like cr- a man-made creation or whatever so i was yeah. like yeah hey, i don't know text says why does jack grossman from floyd street's finest sound like josh gad playing lefou in the the live action beauty and the beast <laughs> i love jack uh jack look if you have criticism of jack's voice i think he's he's fine with that he's he's good with it he's he's heard it his whole life he knows but that's a that's a good text okay he's a good one very knowledgeable basketball guy he is we need more college basketball nerds out there. So Absolutely. I fully support Jack Grossman. Um, I, few, uh, I fully support Beauty and the Beast as well. <laughs> we love uh, we, we love Cogsworth. We love all of our, our – Virginia calls them the objects when I have to play them. The objects. The objects. I am Lumiere a lot. The uh, Be our guest. Be our guest. <laughs> I always end up sounding like a vampire. <laughs> Texas says, hashtag the Drew Crew. Is that what we're calling the – Mick is the pick. The, the alternative is the Drew Crew. I'm down with that. Texas Bryce Drew from uh, Grand Canyon. What are your thoughts? Um, heck of a shot in the NCAA tournament. He, that was fantastic, of course. <laughs> uh, I mean, like we've already kind of seen Bryce Drew at a power conference program, and it didn't go great at Vandy. He's doing well at Grand Canyon. Maybe he deserves a second opportunity. But things went, you know, he was good at Valpo, which Valpo is at that time one of the better mid-majors in college basketball. I think it was kind of it was not an easy job to have success, but you've got advantages in the Horizon League that they don't have anymore over teams in the Missouri Valley. Vandy was just an abject failure. Like he just yeah. he was terrible there. And like maybe he could win here because we have stuff that Vandy didn't, but I, like that's a tough sell to say like this guy he's good at Grand Canyon, good at Valpo, terrible at Vandy. He'll kill it at Louisville. I'm uh, he's a D-list candidate for sure. In my personal opinion, I think Louisville has to get a guy who's as much of a sure thing as you can get to where you know that he's going to at least be adequate. Like somebody that you know is – we know that this guy is going to at least be able to win X amount of games. You know what I mean? Like somebody who's kind of – not that nobody's foolproof, but somebody you have a pretty strong suspicion that he's going to do pretty well. So I I would lean towards more of a veteran guy. I wouldn't want a first or second-year guy. You know, I know Tang is is in his second year with – Kansas State but even him I am leery of just because I want to see what he can do you know without Marquise Noel sure um so I, I would lean more towards somebody who's been there and done it for six seven eight years and we know how good he is Texas says this angry guy it's comedy you all Louisville radio people keep talking about all these schools that have rebuilt in one year and they can only name Iowa State as an example here's another one Kansas State uh you mentioned Jerome <laughs> Tang last in the Big 12 Tang comes in kills in the portal and they go to an Elite Eight last year. How about Oklahoma this year? Losing record last year. Porter Moser gets some new guys in the, in the portal. They're 13-2, and two and they're uh, top 20 team in the country. St. John's pretty good, too. St. John's. <laughs> Rick Pitino comes in. 
they're what second to last in the Big East last yeah. year. Gets a bunch of guys in the portal. They're four and one in the Big East right now. Ole Miss is pretty good too. Ole Miss, very quick turnaround. <laughs> Chris Beard. We'll see how they do in the SEC. So that's uh, that, that's yeah, no, five. Just, just saying. Yeah. So suck it, buddy. <laughs> Texas says, uh, Mike, how how are you not high on this UK team? I think they are real title contenders. And as a U of L fan, I hate it. I mean, they're better than I thought they were going to be. I, I'll fully admit that. And this is not the hatred talking i'm trying to be as objective as possible and like i i had uk like preseason number two last year and they made me look dumb because they weren't that good i don't think they defend well enough to win a national title i I, I don't and they have a chance to prove me wrong as we get deeper into conference play um we'll see how you know they're gonna play some i think the sec is really good i Mm -hmm. i can put my hatred aside and say like i think i mean auburn has been fantastic this year i think tennessee is really good I think um, I still think Arkansas can hit a gear at some point with these transfers. Now they've got Menafield back and he's playing where they're competitive. I think Bama's is a good team. They're certainly better than their record would indicate. And then those middling teams, like, like Texas A&M, I, I still think is that they play really good defense. Buzz is a good coach. Mississippi State will play really good defense. But I want to see UK against some of the better offensive teams in, in this this conference. Like hold somebody below eighty points. I know they did it against Missouri, but you know it's, it's Missouri. They're one hundred five on Ken Palm. Like. I want to see them defend at a level because that was the thing that I was struck by in the first like 15 minutes of the Louisville game. I was like, you know, we're kind of going right around them. Like, yeah, like I think Reed Shepard is a really good off the ball defender. I don't think he's a very good on ball defender. We uh, whoever he was guarding for Louisville just went right around him every single time. Yeah, and they had to hope that you know we miss shots or turn the ball over, which we did because we're Louisville. Um, but like I again, like with the right draw, I think they can make a, a nice run in the NCAA tournament. But I don't think that they're a legitimate national title threat that they're the, the thing about kentucky because they are a young team is they can they have a tendency to be able to get bullied um and i can't remember the hbcu that they were playing or that, that they played a team early that they almost lost they went to overtime and st joe's uh, thank you uh, and st joe's didn't ask didn't necessarily have the most talent but they had a lot of old guys and they just kind of bullied kentucky and that's the one thing because, um, you know, Edwards has not been as good as what they thought he was going to be so far. I'm still waiting for him to kind of get to become the guy that they, you know, they expected him to be the, you know, the highest draft pick and, you know, be the guy that, you know, is the really difference maker. He hasn't gotten there yet. Mm-hmm. And they just have a tendency against teams that have bigger, stronger uh, perimeter players, especially, um, have a tendency to just kind of bull, bulldog. And that's going to be where, you know, it hasn't necessarily hurt Kentucky yet, but especially as they go further on into the season, and especially once you get to the NCAA tournament and you play against those smart, older, veteran teams, um, can they stand up to that? Um, because that that's going to be where I think they have the biggest issue. issue. Like, I love Mitchell. Um, I like the fact that they, you know, have so many guys that can shoot the ball. Dillingham is awesome. Yeah. But they, I can see them in a one-game scenario. Once again, like the Kansas State games or, you know, the St. Peter's games or whatever, you play against a veteran team that just has those big, strong guys. You know, that's the one thing about, the you know, the good and the bad of these Calipari freshman teams are – they're usually very exciting. They're usually really good offensive teams, but they get into that one-game scenario, play against some grown men, and they can come back and bite them. One, if Bob Huggins controls the drinking a little bit and they don't get Trey Mitchell, I'm not sure this is like a Sweet 16 team. Like, like Mitchell is huge for them. I never, I never realized how good he was, and he's been outstanding for them. He's been great. I think, the again, the issue is if you don't have an off-shooting game in the tournament, cool. Great. 
you're set. History says you're going to have at least one game where you just don't shoot it as well as you typically do. Mm-hmm. And you look at the, the Wilmington game, they were 5 of 17 from 3. You've got to win that game with defense, and you should be able to overwhelm a lesser opponent with defense. They couldn't do it. Like, like, like Wilmington didn't shoot the lights out, but they played well enough on offense. They got to the rim consistently, uh, made a ton of layups against that team, and they were able to win. Like You're going to have that type of game in the tournament at some point mm-hmm. where you're just not hitting. And, well, and that Trey Mitchell, who was the kid that came over from uh, Stanford that went to UK a few years back? You remember that kid? The big man that was kind of a four-star-ish, five-star-ish. Reed Travis. Of, yeah, Reed yeah. Travis. And, and you remember, he was he was always kind of really solid during the year, but then it was like there was a reason why this dude was like in his fifth year right. of college basketball in the NCAA tournament completely disappeared. I can see Trey Mitchell doing that same thing. Like, he's been really good. He had 20 points last night, 14 rebounds. But I can see a game where he just doesn't have it or he just kind of sucks and he's not really hitting that level that he had been playing at all year. And, you know, now UK is in <laughs> in a, in a uh, the round of 32 game or switch. 16 game and the crowd's now all jumping on the underdog and there you go you know I can just see that happening with this team this this team has upset in the the second or third round written all over it I mean I, I'm with you I think Dillingham's awesome I, I like Reeves I think I can see a situation where he does like the whole like this is my show and like it shoots way too much in a big time game and I, I think against quality opponents his lack of next level ability is kind yeah. of on display against us. Like, yeah, he's going to light us up because yeah. we're not, we're not very good. But I, you know, he's been kind of just okay against the most athletic teams that they've played the last couple of years. I think Reed Shepard's a great stabilizer for them. Like, you know, he he does a lot of things really well. Uh, sets the offense. He can shoot it for sure. Um, is is a much better finisher than I thought he was going to be as a true freshman. But I'm with you. Like, I I mean. Again, like so much of it comes down to draw. Like if they get last year's draw, I thought they were in the weakest region. I thought they had the bracket kind of opened up nicely for them. I think that team could could probably go to the final four, but they will run into at some point a team that just takes away what they do well and will force them to win with defense. I'm not sure they're they're going to be able to do that. All right, let's take our last break. When we come back, we'll get through as many texts as we can, and we'll make some predictions for the weekend ahead. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here with Rashawn Myers on a Friday on 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Welcome back in. Final segment here of the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Hope your weekend's off to a fantastic start. It is gross outside. Stay inside if you can. Enjoy the hoops. Loaded weekend in college basketball. I'm sure it's going to be. This feels like a season where just every weekend it's like historically crazy weekend of college basketball. Historically weak bubble coming up. It's anybody's year. I feel like we've done this the last four or five years, and it's probably not going anywhere with the transfer portal. It's tough to figure out who the best teams are in college basketball. I I saw the crazy stats about, like, up until the last six years, there had never been, like, the the last unbeaten team had always made it to at least January 10th, I think, like, every year besides two. And now in like five of the last six years, we haven't had any undefeated teams by January 12th, which is is kind of crazy. So it'll be another wild weekend in college basketball. You've got NFL playoffs going on. It's a great weekend just to stay inside, ignore the cold, ignore the grossness, 
and, and just watch some sports. Uh, Rashawn, I'm assuming you have to get out a little bit, though. You, I mean, your son's probably playing? Oh, yeah. Well, weekend. no, actually, because um, Holy Cross lost in the LIT. They're not in the semifinals or finals. Uh, so, uh, you know, I get to stay in the in the house. Uh, his coach is crazy, though. He likes to practice every other day. So I'm sure I'll be out at practice uh, sitting there waiting for those, you know, those guys to get done. We may hit the gym a little bit, but a lot of football. Definitely looking forward to the NFL. I've probably watched more NFL this year. I don't know if I need to thank Kenny Payne for that, but I've watched probably more NFL this year than I have in a while. I've watched more football, period, uh, than I have in, in quite a long time. Like, I love football, um, but sometimes the NFL, I really only pay attention to my team. I've watched everybody play this year. It's been a fun season. I feel like I have, too. Maybe it is the Kenny Payne effect. Where you're, you're just like, like <laughs> you you're, gotta find other, other interests. You're looking for something to fill that void, and <laughs> the, the lines being good has helped. And You, know, you my, just want to feel good again, Mike. I just, I, I do. I just want something to make me feel happy. I'm, I'm, I'm looking wherever I can find it, but yeah, are you still you mean karaoke this weekend? I know you're a big oh, karaoke yeah, guy. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'll be out um, at more shenanigans uh, this uh, this weekend. I actually do a, a live show there on karaoke night once a once a month uh, over at more shenanigans over on Breckenridge and Barstown Road. Uh, so I'll be there tonight. They start karaoke around eh, about 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Uh, I'll be out there singing singing my little heart out and, until I have to go to bed and get up to do Wake Up 502 in the morning. But uh, I can't wait. Oh, and for anybody who's wanting to know, I'll be out there. We'll be doing the live show 730 to 930. We call it uh, Game Day 502 when we do it live. Uh, I'll be doing that on the 26th of this month. So Ooh. January 26th is going down. He's doing it live. Absolutely. Hell yeah. Love getting out and be with the people. Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. We're going to get through uh, your text here. If you want your thoughts made, you got about 20 minutes to get those in, and then we'll pick some games this weekend, including Louisville's matchup tomorrow against NC State. It is so weird still for me, Rashawn, to be like at this point, I think even after the win over Miami, like, there's heightened interest in Saturday's game against NC State, but not to a point where people are like, tell me about the NC State Wolfpack. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like We used to do that, where yes. it was like, it was like, hey, we're playing Virginia this weekend. Like Let's talk about the, the, the Cavaliers, what they do well, who they've beaten, like what their resume is. And people are kind of like, man, yeah, not, not, not so much. I have not researched a team that Louisville has played and I don't know how long. I used to just go deep dive, watch former, you know, recent games and try to dig into the guys' stats. I don't know any names of any of the players of any of the teams that we play, like, at all. I just know Big Burns just because, you know, it's kind of hard to miss a big six foot ten, like three hundred and some odd pound big guy. So anytime NC State's playing, you kind of immediately notice him. He's a big boy. He's, he's like a dancing bear out there. But you know, like <laughs> outside of Burns, I don't know another guy on that team's roster. They still have Casey Morseau, who came over from Virginia, and he's he been played there forever. He, yeah, he played well against us last year, if I remember correctly. I think Burns played well against us last year too. Hell, everybody plays well against us. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, all right, Texter says, what's going on with Rashawn's feud with Steve Rummage on Twitter? Is this the Louisville sports media version of Stephen A. versus Whitlock? Oh, hey, look, I love Steve. Steve is my dude. Um, it's all Marcus Maven's fault. <laughs> my, you know, like Steve's trying to, you know, trying to take up for his man Maven, and Maven's trying to take up for his man KP. So, you know, we're all just kind of, it's all happening. You know, we're all victims of our own circumstances. I love Steve to death. We always chop it up at the games. So it is definitely a loving feud. But you know, you got that's his show, and then Marcus is his man. So I, I never. I I understand. I'll just say that I understand where everybody, why everybody has the stance that they have. So you're saying it's go, it goes all the way to the top. Yeah, is what you're saying. Absolutely, absolutely. How deep does this thing go? Yeah, so, shout God. out Nolan Smith. Everybody always says that me and Nolan have a a rivalry. You know, him his uh, sister 
you know, me and her got into it on Twitter one time. So you're not the only person she got into it with (laughs) recently. (laughs) But I love all y'all, man. I, I look. It is all about Louisville basketball. It is not not personal with anybody. Like, and once we start winning again, I look forward to celebrating with everybody. I don't hold any grudges. So Same. It's all good. Have you been blocked by Nolan on Twitter? Um, I don't know because I never tweet at him or look at his tweets. So you know, I, I, after Nolan in the Nikes last year, he just he was a little bit too active on Twitter for my liking, especially for a guy you know who's a coach on a team that's losing that much. I'm like just. How about not talking? Just worry about coaching the team. But he's been quieter this year. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah. He he learns lesson. Texas says, "Oh, more TJ Osselberger love." Osselberger also had the number seven ranked recruiting class last year, and that's at Iowa State. He's wow. only forty six years old and very polished and professional. I just feel like he's massively underrated. Well, here's the problem: is Osselberger's a really tough name to have a hashtag for. <laughs> not a lot rhymes. What's with the it. rhyme? Yes, I guess you could do TJ. Yeah, yeah. All day for TJ. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. We'll pay. Let's pay for TJ. Otzelberger, <laughs> we love you. <laughs> there's just, there's yeah, not a there's lot. There's nothing. I, I, I got nothing. <laughs> it's tough for the Bring Brom home guy to get hop on that bandwagon. Doesn't rhyme like Mick and the Pick. Texas, I like Caleb Glenn's motor and rebounding ability, but my question is, does he have a jump shot? He, I mean, Caleb was a guy who, when he was at male, it was very much like, you know, he's – He's kind of a tweener. Yeah, he had that Dre Davis game where it's like mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's mostly finishing around the rim, but he's not big enough to do that at the college level. And then it seemed like at La Lumiere when you watched his highlights, he was taking a lot more shots from the outside. Mm-hmm. There was some talk last summer when he was playing in, in the EYBL that he was you know shooting more threes. And actually, when we first saw him at like the red white scrimmage and, and the exhibition games, it did seem like he was shooting more from the outside. And recently, like he's not even looking to no, take outside shots. Not at all. Like that's gonna have to get better. That that was something that he really uh, when I watched him at La Lumiere um, and on the AAU circuit, he was really making it a point to work on his jump shot. He shot a lot of threes um, in those games and shot a lot of threes once the high school season started. Um, you can tell it's kind of been coached into him to just don't even worry about that. Just worry about getting to the basket. It's kind of going to be one of those things where I think a lot like Dre Davis and <clears throat> some of the other guys that we've seen come through, it's going to be one of those work on it in the offseason and then once you're confident with it, then start taking them in games. But I, I think that he's going to continue to develop that. So I do think he'll he'll get better like a Dwayne Sutton as time rolls along. And oh, by the way, Mike, we'll go further with Otzenberger. <laughs> Alright, uh, I, I like that. <laughs> I, it was not. It wasn't gonna leave my head till I found something. It's the best I got. I like that. I, I, I'm good with that. I, I think with Caleb, look, he's he's listed at six six. He's probably closer to six five. He's you know he he doesn't have guard skills, so he's gonna have to play that forward position. If you're doing that, like you've got to develop an outside shot yes. to keep opposing defenses honest, or else you know it's tough to keep spacing there. He's only taken two this year, and they were in the first two games of the season. Uh, he missed both them. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that's something that you're going to have to develop. You can't be a 6'5 forward who just plays around the rim. Not, not at this level. Like that, you, can, you can get by and be a really successful mid-major player, yeah. but like that's going to have to get... Consistent standstill jump shot sure. and got to work on your handle. Got yeah, to work on your handle. For sure. But I, I love the energy. He's got the you know, ACC-ready body for sure. He's physically ready to, to, to play at this level. Um, but yeah, I, I like the role that he's assumed recently where he's like, I'm going to be the energy guy. I'm going to try to be the glue guy, just clean up around the rim, be physical, play good defense. And for right now, it's good enough to get him minutes, but that's going to have to get better if he's going to be here and be a contributor. So what do you, what are your thoughts on Danilo Jovanovic? 
Mm. <laughs> a man that can play so many minutes and almost have no stats in any game ever. It was the hey, look. It was the Danilo revenge game on Wednesday, <laughs> and when we got when it was tied and he airballed that layup and Miami went on a run, I was like, oh my god, he's gonna like single handedly ruin the game. But uh, I mean. Danilo is kind of what we feared he was when we signed him that day, where everyone's like, Hasn't every guy, every stretch guy that Kenny Payne has gotten so far has been the guy that we thought they were, haven't they? Like, has there been any Basically. stretch guy that's been really, like, like he's been way better than what we thought? I don't think there's been one yet. I mean, that's the thing, is everyone's like, he's a, he can stretch defenses. He's a crazy shot maker. Look at these highlight videos of him in workouts and stuff. Every time he's taken a jump shot, I mean, it's been like five feet off. Like, it's, it's just not even close. And now he's not taking, he's not even thinking about shooting unless he's right around the rim. And even then, it's not looking like he's very confident. I mean, by far the most, uh, the most successful kind of stretch recruit is a core four because, you know, he wasn't really rated anywhere by anybody and they brought him over. But, and, and that's probably yeah. the best. And he's, you know, been a, you know, for five, six minute a game guy since he got here. And that's like the best with all the, I mean, Karan never played. Uh, Fabio was Fabio. And Danilo's been Danilo. Like, none of those guys have really worked out to be much of, you know. Danilo plays hard, he which plays is, hard. You know, for right now, again, like, it's enough. Where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm fine with him getting minutes because we're shorthanded and he, he plays hard. He gives effort. But the skill level just isn't up to par. You can't play 20-plus minutes and just not – just have, like, a rebound or two. And he doesn't no affect points. the game at like, all. At all. At like, all. It just, you just can't play that many minutes and not do – you should accidentally – you know, get you some stats. I mean, every time he comes up, I just have the office space quote come to my mind where it's like, what would you say you do here? Like, it's just like, there's just, there's, there's, and I feel bad. Again, he plays hard, so I'm fine with him being out there, but he just, he does not impact the game. You're a big man and you don't, he can't, I mean, he doesn't get rebounds. That's the only thing I don't understand. You, as a big man playing basketball, if you're playing 20 minutes, because he's played, 20, I believe he's played more than 20 minutes the last two games. And I don't think he's gotten more than two rebounds in either one of those games. I just don't know how you just don't get rebounds as a big man. And you're playing that many minutes. Like he did should, almost single-handedly beat Kentucky. You should accidentally. <laughs> He's a rivalry guy. He gets up. Yeah, for the so that's what it is. The big game. He yeah. gets up for the big games. <laughs> yeah, he played uh, 14 minutes against Miami. He had two minutes. rebounds, three fouls, one turnover, uh, attempted one shot. It was an airballed layup two against minutes. Pitt. 11 minutes, over one from the field. I just maybe seemed like 20 minutes. It just it, like, yeah. You know. Well, he did play 25 against UVA. And he took five shots in that game. Made two, four points, four rebounds, two assists. Oh, look, four rebounds, there one steal. No turnovers. That was the you know he's he's a product of against really fundamentally sound teams. <laughs> he shines. He only played six minutes against the UK, but he had those three points. That and one changed the game. Wow, guys within shouting distance. Kept it honest. Kept it kept it respectable. The two hundred and fifty some odd ranked player in the nation is not really that good. So what a shock. Texter says to the texter who was the KP mafia leader. If our talent was so bad, why was KP routinely playing golf and doing nothing to address the talent concerns? The guy went to Africa and came back with nothing. It's fair. Went to Africa and that guy went to DePaul, DePaul. and he's not playing. And he's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it spent so much time on the first day of the July evaluation period. Seems like an error in judgment in hindsight. Oh, gosh. This opening of the transfer portal. Where is Kenny Payne at? He's in Africa. And Louisville's losing every transfer portal guy. He was trying to justify it, too. Like, you know, this is the next wave. Like, there are all these NBA guys. And, like, you see some of them play, and you're like, this is not, <laughs> it's not, the, not the place to be. Texas says, uh, Jeff Beard, no-brainer. Chris Beard, LOL. Corrects himself. There you go. 
Texas, do you think, do you believe what the Bring Brom Home guy is suggesting that Cronin is tanking to help the buyout? <laughs> no. Yeah, nobody wants to help that much. You don't need to help. You can stop helping, buddy. Mick Cronin, I, I mean, I think it's very apparent how much he hates losing. There's no way. I mean, I mean, UCLA fans now are buying into it, too. Like, he's got a job lined up in the Midwest, and he's just quit. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think that's the case. Because you know, like, you've already got a situation where he was not a popular – Like, I mean, I can tell you firsthand. I mean, I'm sure you heard the same thing when Chris Mack left and people were talking about Mick as a candidate. Like, Louisville fans hated it. Louisville fans were like, no. Yeah. No Cronin. And since then, you know, he's had the, the the three straight trips to the Sweet 16 and beyond. He's had some good teams. You know, last year's team, I think if they stayed healthy, had a real shot to win a national title. But if you know that the fan base is already a little bit like eh, kind of on the fence about you, they're not going to be swayed by an 8 and 25 season <laughs> or whatever the hell he's about to produce right now. So I'm I'm not I'm not buying what the Bring Brom home guy is selling. No. No, not at all. Texas says, I wouldn't per se uh, say that I was a Mick Cronin fan or supporter, but I was never in the Mick Cronin sucks boat like TK was during uh, KP getting the job. But TK was right. We are getting upset at unprofessional press conferences and lack of accountability following embarrassing losses and buy games. There is no way he's the guy for the biggest search in program history. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is he's not – it's not like they're just losing. Like he's skipping press conferences. He's throwing the players under the bus. He's getting into it with fans now. Like it's all just bad out there. And while our biggest concern right now is the ten and thirty seven record, Louisville fans have also been upset with the way that Kenny Payne's handled the the off the court stuff, the media stuff, the radio show stuff, some of the things that he said publicly. Like if you want to make sure that that's not a concern with the next head coach, Mick Cronin is not making you feel confident right now has Kenny Payne done any uh has he ever done any sort of radio with any radio guy I don't think I don't think he has since he's gotten the job like that's crazy to me it is wild I mean he's the the only not even major coach like every Louisville coach has done I mean we've had on this show we've had I think everybody besides I mean I think we've had every every coach for every sport besides. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't really do it anywhere. Anyway. He hasn't done it with seven ninety ninety three nine here anywhere. No, he hasn't no. Done, like he's never just sat down with the radio guy and just chopped it up. Like I, I, I just it's unbelievable. It's it's oh, yeah. It's Kenny, Texture says, who's going to be the breakout guy next year on the football team? Ooh. Mm, I don't. I mean. Assuming he stays, I can see Stan Quan Clark being a beast next year. Yeah. Every now and then, they, typically, like one of the things that I've found out or that I've kind of a trend that I've held on to is at Louisville, when there's a dude who there's like a thwack on special teams and you're like, damn, who was that? And it's consistently the same guy. Yeah. That guy eventually becomes a star on defense. Like, yeah. I, I remember Monty Montgomery was like that. Monty Montgomery was kind of like that. I remember James Burgess at first oh, was, yeah. was like that. Um, there have been a couple other ones. Um, CJ Avery, I, I think, was always a big special team oh, guy. Oh, what was got the really Harvey, good. Josh Harvey Clemens was like that, too. When he first came over as a transfer from Georgia, he was a special teams monster. It's like Stan Quan was making big plays. And, and like even when he's been in limited snaps on defense, there have been a couple plays where it's like, damn, who who was that laying the wood on some dude? And it's been Stan Quan. I I, would, if I he would, stays, I think he can be a star. Like the bookends, when I think about having the possibility of Stan Quan Clark on one end and TJ – uh, um, uh, oh, excuse me. The the kid from Miami, the one who set out, T.J. Capers, um, yeah, uh, on the other end. 
If he can have, I know it's if he can only have a Ruben Bain type of impact on Louisville, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but to have those those you know Miami South Florida kids as bookends with Gelati uh, and and Thor down there in the middle, um, that would just be. Whew. I mean, you think about how good like it. Mason Riger and Ramon Perrier were this year, Absolutely. and Lole potentially coming back. Like that defensive front has the chance to be really, really intimidating. That front seven. I mean, they, they get. I mean, T.J. Quinn's going to be back in the middle, which I love a good middle linebacker. Um, you know, just man, that, I, the, the defense has me more excited than the offense, and I am over the moon about the offense outside of the quarterback position. I'm I'm still out on, out on Chuck. I just don't know what how to take him. Yeah, we'll have to see. Just a very limited sample size. I've I've talked myself into it, but you know. It's not a, a sure thing, for sure, I mean, especially when you've got a guy who's been as injury-prone yes. as he has. Texas, maybe I'm the only one, but I'm still thinking about Gus Johnson living at Beecher Terrace. <laughs> it wasn't full-time. It was when he would visit. His his dad and his family lived at Beecher Terrace. Really? I did not know that. He said it during the USC game. It was like the I think it, was the most, uh, it got the most attention of anything that happened during the game was Gus Johnson saying they, they, uh, they lived at a place <laughs> called Beecher Terrace. I was like, ooh, where? You know. Wow. I think a lot of people were like, ooh, and some people were like, where? Texture says, is it odd that Brownlee went pro but Riley didn't? No, because I think that Quincy, one, it's a really good year for cornerbacks in the NFL draft. And I think Riley's thinking is if he can have a gigantic year next year, he can establish himself as a first or second rounder. Whether or not that's true, I don't know, but that's his thinking. And then two, I think he was able to get NIL money that, that Jarvis Brownlee just wasn't going to get here because he's really, really good. Texas says, I can't get enough of people putting flowers by Saban's statue like he died. What other coach would get the same treatment? It is a little bit over the top at this point. <laughs> they are acting like he's he has passed away. It's too much. Texas says, Sam Williamson is still playing at SMU. LOL. That's crazy. He is. Texas, Mike, you said that you've got to love the job more than your family. Has there ever been a better hint than it needs to be Chris Beard? Well, I mean, come on. Doesn't have, you know, he doesn't, doesn't have... That family. <laughs> there you go. Texas says, you got to let me know what exact score I need to put the $1 on. This will guarantee victory for us tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. I'll give an exact score prediction so you can bet the $1 coming up here at, uh, at the end of the show. He did it after I said it was going to be 92-70 for the Miami game, and he made the bet. And now we, since we won the game, he's got to do it every single game. There you go. Texas says, I would love to hear those Lamar can only be elite if he wins the Super Bowl guys defend why they still think that Dan Marino is elite quarterback. There's just something about him. Rashawn, there's something there's, about there's, him. It's just more fundamentally sound. Exactly. He's just he's just not fundamentally sound enough. You know, he's he's just he's always he's always running. He always gets hurt running the football, which is completely false. You know, he just doesn't seem to be a coach on the court. Marino he's, was quarterback. He's not very heady. That's Lamar's he's, yeah, problem. Just you know, he's 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 more of an athlete <laughs> playing quarterback. Texas, the spirit child, the high texture was amazing. Thank you so much for sending that from a fellow spirit child. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh, the spirit children. Texas, a real good buddy of mine, is a big Bigfoot believer, but he believes that Bigfoot is an alien. Oh, wow. I like that plot twist. Well, did you see the newest, the latest Bigfoot footage? Did I you did. See that from the train? I did. So, I like, once again, it's extra grainy, which is awesome. It's always got to be extra grainy, but he just went, walked across the field and sat down. Yeah. It was interesting. We live in this day and age where like 80% of humanity is recorded constantly with these high tech cameras and high tech iPhones. And yet, Bigfoot's the only thing in the world that we can only get, like, something that looks like it's shot by a potato. 
you know. Well, I'm still waiting for the footage of the aliens at the mall in Miami. Right. That's what I've been like. No cell phone footage. We see some, you know, we see this helicopter footage. I'm like, nobody had a cell phone in Miami. Yeah. Like, what's going on? They're talking about all these shadow aliens, shadow aliens in the mall. I'm like, what is a shadow alien? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Texas Chris Beard Redemption Tour 2025. I do feel like like local fans are very much on the Chris Beard bandwagon. It seems to be the case. I just can't. I mean, it, look, if Chris Beard is the guy, then he becomes the guy. But I'm not. I just. I. I'm not advocating for him. I just. I can't do it. I. You know, Mark Blankenbaker has made his opinions on this very clear. But I just can't do it. Like he's a good coach, and I believe in second chances. But I'm just not going to be the one to advocate it. Texas at the family Christmas this year. My uncle told his abduction story from 2006. Him and his friend also abducted have told the exact same story for 17 years. Alarmingly detailed stories at that. I'm not sure what to think, but I was shook. Well, that's terrifying. Oh wow! I've got a, one of my good friends uh, married th- this woman who her aunt was one of the three women abducted and I guess the most famous alien abduction story in, in Kentucky. They were in like central Kentucky driving around and they all like the same kind of thing. Like they all they were held separately. They all told the exact same story. They all drew the exact same thing. Very creepy. Very me, weird. Me and Cam actually saw an, a UFO about a month ago. Up in the sky heading home from school one day. What? I literally saw a UFO. It was in the middle of the day. It wasn't like a nighttime UFO. You had to see the lights in the sky. No. I, we literally were driving home uh, about about three thirty in the afternoon, and saw something up in the sky above the uh, above Chickasaw Park, and it was like really shiny, and I and I saw it, and then I asked my son, "Do you see that?" And he's like, "See what?" I said, "Look up in the sky, like right in front of the us, uh, so, you know, as we're driving up the hill, and it was something shiny, and it was there." And it was there, and then it just was gone. It just, like, disappeared. But it was something up in the sky. I don't know what it was. What a plane. But, yes, literally saw a UFO, like, a month or two ago. I don't like this. <laughs> I don't like any of this. I don't like it at all. It happened. <laughs> Texas UFO fans trying to say Otzelberger is going to be just like the manager and rookie of the year trying to save Rowan Gardner. That's a good text. <laughs> Texas in more positive UFO hoops news, Donovan dropped 45 in Paris against the Nets. I mean, Donovan yes, and Terry are both just – well, you know, now that the, the newest rumor is Donovan and Donovan's going to L.A., you know, that's going to be he's going to be the one that saves LeBron's championship. Yeah. yeah. Texas, we are not all on the Chris Beard bandwagon. I'd rather become a big bowling fan than support him. <laughs> uh, OK, Texas, I feel like we lose a close one tomorrow. Let's, let's pick the game It is Louisville versus NC State tomorrow. Uh, Cart sticking on the Wolfpack. Former coach Kevin Keats coming to town. Noon tip-off. ACC Network has the TV coverage. Uh, NC State comes to town with an overall record of 11-4. and They're coming off of their first conference loss, a 67-54 uh, home loss to North Carolina on Wednesday night. They're 3-1 and in the ACC. They've beaten Notre Dame, Virginia, and Boston College. Not exactly a murder's row, but the Virginia win was impressive. 76-60 last Saturday. Cards are a six-point underdog in this one. Rashawn Myers, give us a prediction here. You know, I I liked what I saw um, yesterday or on Wednesday against them. I will say I don't think Louisville's going to win because I think that the one thing that Louisville is really hanging their hat on is BHH being dominant, and I don't think he's going to be able to bully Burns because Burns weighs 400 pounds. <laughs> so I think that's going to be what ultimately helps with the Wolfpack get the win. Um, I'd say give me the Wolfpack probably 81-71. 
I think it's going to be somewhere around, Ken Palm says 76-70. I'm feeling like it's going to be that type of game where yeah. we're like they're kind of ahead and, and we just never make the big run to seize control. I think we play well enough that the fans are like, okay, it's not it's not back to being a total disaster, but it's still a disappointing effort. Give me, I'm going to say NC State with a slight cover. Give me the Wolfpack 78, Louisville 71. Hopefully we're both wrong and we're celebrating. Rashawn, big thanks as always. It's, it's a blast talking with you. Absolutely. Everyone enjoy the weekend. We're back Monday at 3 o'clock. Go Cards. Beat NC State. Only locally owned sports talk, 1450 and 96.1 FM. The Big X Sports Radio, WXVW, Jeffersonville.